Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Korkun oku trap sonsun. Trap sonsun trap donsun. Tuni sonsun hukcum durpodlan. Tadas totan durpodan borutan. What's up, people? Adam Hunter here. And listen, I'm out of the country, but this week I'm going to do some of my favorite interviews I've ever done because I love doing this show. It's, I've done the show for over five years. Uh, I love talking to my favorite fighters. I love talking to the fans. I love MMA. And uh, I don't know. I just love life right now. I love my wife. I love my baby daughter. I love my dog and my three cats. And uh, I thank you for listening. So, right now I'm out of the country, but... I want to talk to some of my, uh, I'm not going to talk to anybody, I want to play some of my favorite interviews I've ever done, uh, starting with Kevin Randleman. Kevin Randleman was one of my favorite fighters and my favorite interviews. He, rest in peace, what a great guy, what an inspiring guy, I love that guy, I love his wife, he's a beautiful man, beautiful family, beautiful kid, just a just a great person. So uh, rest in peace Kevin Randleman because you are an awesome human being. Uh, also, Henzo Gracie, another fantastic legend of the sport. We're going to talk to him. Well, we're not going to talk to him. I'm going to play the time when I did talk to him a couple years ago. First, I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Speedweed. Listen, marijuana is legal in California. Okay? You can get it delivered to you. Don't leave your house to go get it, to go to a dispensary, to stand online, to pay for parking, to pay for gas. No! Get it delivered right to you. They have everything, everything you need when it comes to marijuana or CBD or edibles. They will deliver it to you, okay? Go to speedweed.com. Follow them at Speedweed. They have have weed coffee. They have marijuana. They have THC sex lube. You name it, they have it, and they will bring it to you. Mention MMA Roasted. You get $10 off, $100 or more. The guy Gino is the guy in charge. He is a great human being. Okay, and he will take care of you. So, Speedweed, follow them. Also, Santa Cruz Medicinals, potent CBD infused coconut oil, olive oil, MCT oil, vape pens, and more. It's gluten free, it's vegan, it's paleo, and sugar free, and it's lab tested. Okay, this stuff is unbelievable. Go to scmedicinals.com, mention roasted, it's $5 off. Hundred dollars or more, and uh, when you order the hundred dollars or more, I'm telling you, they they they're awesome. Okay, they're they're good people, and they have all kinds of great stuff. They have they have uh, uh, I'm looking at it right now. They have uh, coconut oil. They also have like face cream. Okay, so you could actually put it on your face. You look better. Your your skin clears up. Uh, they have vape pens. They have all kinds of stuff. They have, I'm looking at this thing right now. They have single CBD-infused clay mask, which has three simple ingredients, single-source French green clay, real lavender, and CBD, okay? Make your skin tight, all right? Treat your skin right. So check them out. Good people. Now, let's hear the uh, interviews I did with Kevin Randleman as well as Henzo Gracie. 
two legends of the sport. Once again, rest in peace, Kevin. Uh, you're the band. And also, by the way, if you want to see me do comedy, I will be touring all over the world, all over the country. I'll be in Reno, Nevada next week. Um, and then in April, I, April 19th, 20th, I believe, I'm going to be in uh, the Black Box Theater in Boca, Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, I'm in New York uh, City, May 17th at the Gotham Comedy Club, uh, doing like a virtual reality comedy show, which is pretty awesome, but I'll be in New York that week. Uh, in June, I will be in Arizona as well as Minnesota, and uh, you can check out my schedule at adamhunter.com. And if you shop on Amazon, go to adamhunter.com, then click on the Amazon banner. If you want to hear my CD, okay, Adam Hunter's Still Broke, it's on uh, Pandora, it's on Spotify, you can download it, Adam Hunter Still Broke. Listen to it. All right, let's get to the interviews. Thank you. All right, so we have one of the legends of MMA, uh, former UFC champion, just a complete badass, a guy that I grew up watching, and uh, I'm thrilled to have him on. Actually, the guy was following me on Twitter and said, why don't you roast me? And uh, it was Kevin Randleman, and I'm like, holy shit, Kevin, the monster Randleman. I am so pumped to have Kevin Randleman on the show. How are you, Kevin? I'm good, depending on how the show goes. (laughs) Nice. Uh, now, Kevin, I was watching some of your videos, man. Holy, I stuff that you have accomplished. Uh, I was watching you just, you know, knock out Crow Cop uh, and some and that that that, that, that Fedor slam. I mean, you were, you're definitely one of uh, one of the most powerful, best athletes I've in the history of mixed martial arts. I feel like you're very underrated, uh, and people the people don't really know about. Well, some of the new guys don't know about about how uh, how much of a badass you are, man. Uh, but let's let's get let's get to the the, the uh, beginning, man. So you you uh, grew up. You had eleven. There were eleven kids in your house. Um, not in the house. Remember, I was one of the youngest ones. My daddy was a my papa was a Rolling Stones. Uh, was... Oh no! I think we lost him. Uh, maybe I uh, offended him by the first question. Uh, uh, said, but dad was wrong because he was black. No, let's call him back. Hello. All right, so Kevin. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. So you, so you, there were eleven kids in your family. Yes. I mean, was that was that hard? I mean, because I, I, I was I was reading something said that you actually got into a lot of fights in in the uh, streets growing up. You you uh, grew up. You were sort of poor. Um, I grew up in. I can't say that I grew up in the streets because my mom would beat my ass and get me home. So, so she was uh, she was really good at protecting us from from that. But uh, I loved my brothers and sisters, and I wanted to do and be what they were. So um, I got brothers, I got sisters and brothers that are in jail for uh, being kingpins and queenpins, and I got a brother that's secret service. So every end of the spectrum we have in my family. Where do you uh, where do you fall in line as far as age in those eleven? Second to the youngest. Oh, you're almost a baby. I am a baby. <laughs> now in high school, yeah, right? I, I was looking at your, like your, at your high school wrestling uh, statistics. You were you were 122 and 11 in high school wrestling. That's crazy. Uh, you were a state yep. you were the uh, state champion of Ohio. Uh, then you went to college and. Your freshman year, you took second in the NCAAs. You won it your second year. You won it your third year. But your senior year, you couldn't wrestle because of grades? 
we can say it was grades, but I'm going to say it was my mental. Explain. Um, I had a baby. Uh, I, I had a son when I was in high school, and that bitch was crazy. <laughs> and every chance she got, every chance she got, I was either in jail or, or, or in trouble for something that she would say. But uh, um, when I was in college, I would go home every weekend because my father, he was battling addiction, and uh, I would go home to make sure he was good, and if he wasn't good, I'd go beat the shit out of the drug dealers that would give him whatever, uh, and stuff like that, you know. I'm a family man, I love my family, so I will live and die. You know, my life is nothing if my family's not good. So I do what I do with my body, and that's why fighting's so easy for me. Nice. So, so your 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 uh, ex your your baby mama was putting you in jail. I mean, how 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 often did did you have you have to go to jail? Listen, Dana White, Tito Ortiz is there. He should send this fucking chick a fucking thank you basket. Because if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have fucking held the title as long as he did. He and I were supposed to fight, and I was put in jail by this chick because. I was making money now. I was fighting for custody of my son, and the only way that she could win is if I was in jail. So I was, and she put me in jail and said that I threatened to kill her and my son. Wow. I mean, at least she should have she at least said she, that I threatened to kill her, not my son, because that didn't make any sense. Right. So you're, in, so you're ranked number one in the country wrestling. You, you're a defending champion, and, then now you're, and now you're in jail. How did guys try to test you in jail? Uh, I don't listen. I don't think I don't think I'm a badass, fellas. I believe that I'll keep it real, and I will never ever in my life fucking back down from a fight. So wherever I'm at, if you want to fucking test me, please test me. I was tested once, and dude stabbed me in the hand with a pencil, and I was in jail. And how did that end up for him? I knocked the fuck out of his ass. <laughs> I, I was in I was in solitary the rest of my time in jail. <laughs> Wow. Now, how pissed were you when you couldn't wrestle your senior year? Well, honestly, it wasn't that I was pissed because I had so many things that I was worrying about. Um, you know, I, my wife says you shouldn't say this and that, but I like to be honest with everybody. You know, when when I was a kid, I was ADD like crazy, and I never even knew that there was – I didn't understand it. And then as I got older, now, I've been in therapy for, for a long time, dealing with things. Um I, uh, Sandusky, Ohio was a very racist-ass place. And when I was a kid, I was eight. I was in the eighth grade, and some dudes called me and thought it was funny to, to pretend like they were going to hang me. And uh, I'm sitting there scared, crying, and when I fall off of this crate and don't get hung or whatever, they start laughing and just run off. That shit wasn't funny, and it started to make, it created a fucking monster. Now, when I was in high school, I had a, a cop, uh, you know, try and kill me. Literally, off-duty cop, whacked out on drugs, tried to kill me. Nothing happened to him. These things contribute to me being a monster. And then when I go back home and see all the things going on and going wrong and my father battling addiction and people still trying to give him stuff, that was my first priority, not school. Because, you know, I mean, I did what I came to, went to school to do. Now, now today, my regret is that I didn't get my degree. Because I coach 60 kids right now, and next year I plan on having 120. And when those kids come up, I need to be able to tell them college is more important than anything. And I need to get my degree in order to preach what I'm saying. Yeah, no, dude, you're a legend, man. I mean, you I, honestly, and like I was, I was watching like so many of your fights last night, and uh, 
you know, a lot of times when I have people on the show, it's like three in the morning, four in the morning. I, I to watch the fights, and I love watching fights. But your fights are at a different level of watching fights. Like there is a certain excitement that you brought to that uh, octagon and that ring that it, it's almost like it's very Mike Tyson esque, where you knew that someone was getting knocked the f- out. Um, <laughs> Without a doubt. And, uh, I say that that's one of my pitch lines. Someone is getting knocked the f- out. Yeah. Uh, now, but but I but I, I I I was watching some of your interviews, and you know you you're, you're very you are very hard on yourself. Like you said that your career wasn't what it could have been. Uh, that there were guys around you that didn't know that didn't know what you were doing wrong, and that you wish someone would have told you what you were doing wrong. Uh, what are some of those things? I can guarantee you that successful people are successful not because of the yes men around them, but because of the people that call them a dumbass. And I had a lot of people around me that kind of, I, I don't care about being loved. I could give a shit if you love me, but if you respect me, you will fear me. You know what I mean? That makes sense to me. I don't know if it does to you. Yeah. So all my life, I didn't give a shit if you loved me. I never ever been in love myself, ever. Girls were girls, and girls were just as good as worse as guys. My girlfriend's three dudes in a week. I call them pimps, not hookers. So um, the guys around me, I was in the UFC, and there were there were guys in my locker room doing drugs, fucking bitches. This is before the UFC, uh, UFC became Zufa's organization, and they built it up and did the great program that it is. But back in the day, man, guys would come in, and I had a posse of people that were, you know, some of them were killers and some of them were bad, but um, I also had guys in my, my corner that were just there, and they were yes men. But they, they like to do things that, I mean, I'm not this big, I'm not a party animal, but I can party. You know, I know how to party. And uh, there's a time and a place. And when I got a, when, on fight day, I don't expect anyone around me doing drugs around me because they think it's cool because because I'm Kevin and I don't fucking give a fuck. Now, who are these guys doing drugs and fucking bitches in the locker room? Come on, come on, man. <laughs> Why you gonna ask me that question, big dog? I mean, come on. People want to know who these people were. I tell you what. You want to know who these people are? My book is going to... My book... My book is going to paint a picture of myself, probably of not being the greatest guy, but at the end of the day, if you meet me today, you'll understand that the journey that I went through from the day I was born to the day, it was a good journey and a great journey for me. Not so great for everyone around me, but for me, the journey was, the journey is a great journey for me. Now, why do you hate Tito Ortiz so much? Because he's a f***ing no, stop holding back, man. Tell us how you really feel. Listen, listen. I grew up, I, I don't care what anyone says. I can die just like the next motherfucker. But when it comes down to it, I respect every fucking guy that puts the ring, gets in that cage and fights. Why? Because it ain't easy. For me, it's easy because I'm a bipolar motherfucker. I love to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've I have fought cops in my life. Believe me, I don't give a fuck if you call me a in public and you think I ain't gonna touch you. I'll touch you. You and your boys can do whatever. But at the end of the day, you're not going to racially intimidate me. You're not going to bully me. I don't like men that be women. I don't like men that disrespect kids and try and bully them. I'm fucking against anything that fucking people want to bully people in. And Tito Ortiz, the bitch ass motherfucker he is. Mark Coleman was walking into the ring to fight Randy Couture. Tito was on the side. 
if you don't forget to all the people that helped his little bitch ass as he was coming up and cared about him. Now, the fight was over. Tito Ortiz gets up and thinks that he's a big man. I'm watching from my seat. I'm with my wife and my boys in my house watching it. And I'm in Vegas. When I heard him say, you sorry, motherfucker, blah, 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 I put my clothes on. I got dressed the fuck up and went out looking for that bitch. <laughs> if I would have found him, I would have whooped his bitch ass. I go out by myself. I don't need a posse to go out with. And if I get beat down by a crew, then fine, so be it. I'll be back soon. Tito Ortiz goes out with a crew, he acts tough. When Tito's by himself, he acts like a fucking bitch. Always being respectful. I'm a disrespectful motherfucker if you a disrespectful bitch. And that's who he is. Tito and I met each other years ago. I met his wife, his first wife. She's an awesome woman. Awesome woman. Gave Tito her life. Gave him everything. And Tito's bitch ass and her got married. And when they were in the Bahamas or Jamaica driving around on a scooter, they got hit by a bus and almost got killed. And this is the type of man I am. I called them as soon as they told me. I called Tito's house. I left a message on his voicemail and said, hey, Tito, I, I'm praying for you. Trisha. I think I might even have prayed on the phone. And I said, if anything you need, you call me. If you need your ass wiped, you call me, I'll come wipe it. And only to see a couple weeks later or a month later, he did an interview stating that I'm a steroid monster freak. I didn't start taking juice to long after my career and college was over. And, and well into my UFC career, I started taking uh, a little bit of testosterone. Again, because I'm depleted of mine. But the bottom line is, why am I pissed at Tito? Because he f***ing... Because he did just that. Yeah. I'm willing to fucking, I'm willing to leave my family to come help him get better in rehab. And this bitch says that. So I saw Trisha, his wife, at a, uh, at a, uh, a fight. And she said, I can't believe he said that. I am so mad at him. And, and you know, he, she was really that. And shortly after that, they went together. I think she realized that Tito was a fucking bitch ass. Excuse my language. Sorry, I sorry, love this sorry. Guy. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to say that. So everyone no. out there, I do not condone saying shit like that. I'm just really hot right now. I'm pissed. When I hear his name, I want to just put my hands on him. Hmm. All right. <laughs> okay. I love it, Kevin. I love it. <laughs> Kevin Randleman, man, you, uh, you you are my new favorite guest. Okay, so uh, now now uh, let's go through more of your career because I lo- I freaking love. Ah! You, got him, you got him all heated now. He doesn't want to go back to regular talking. He wants to beat someone's ass. All right, Tom Erickson. No, no, no. <laughs> Believe me, I've been in therapy for a long time now, dealing with my anger. It's definitely working. I just <laughs> I displaced my, ah, my anger and put it on the wrong people. My wife deserves, my wife and my family deserve the best of me. So people that do shit, shit that are fucked up, I've learned to give them what they deserve. Now, is this why you were so mad at Matt Riddle? Um, the Matt Riddle thing, hey, that was a misunderstanding, believe me, fellas. It was just a misunderstanding, and we squashed it, and I follow him, and I hope he gets back, uh, I hope he gets back on track and does what he does. But just like him, I like smoking weed once in a while, too. Nice. But we all know that when you're in the when you're in the business, that business's rules are law. Yeah. And if you break the law, the rules are going to have to be applied to you. But I like Matt Riddle. Okay. Um, I like him. You know, like I said, it was a misunderstanding, and it got squashed. 
So absolutely no 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 hatred towards that man. I didn't even have hatred there. I don't hate people. I just want to get at you. <laughs> Could you imagine him coming after you? No. Like if you said something about him on Twitter, I, no, he's like, I'm gonna beat the. I would leave the country. <laughs> if Kevin no, Randleman no, no. was after me. Oh, my God. No matter how much we want to joke about it, there are people out there that say, oh, I keep it real. I keep it real. F***ing lying bitches. What? You keep if it real. If you keep it real, you are the same person you are every day. My wife still loves me even though I'm a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> your your wife is quite a woman. Quite a woman. Oh, man. Trust me. My wife is heads and shoulders above everybody. She's 6'2", 6'3", without heels. Wow. Sexy bitch. Sex, I'm a sexy woman. She, she was your publicist, too, right? Man, she's my boss. Yeah, she's your boss. Nice. Now... Let's talk about some of your fights in uh, Brazil. Now you start. Now your first MMA fight, the guy wasn't even wearing gloves. Yeah. No, I think it was the second one though. The second. One. I get those a little mixed up. My first fight was second fight. I think the first tournament that I was in, we wore gloves. The second tournament I fought and I lost, and I lost to Carlo Moreto, and I believe that was the fight that we didn't wear gloves. But one of them we didn't have gloves on, and I was screwed up, dude. I didn't come home for thirty days. Where were you? Uh, and, and then, I was in Brazil kicking it, living the Vida Loca. <laughs> that must have been awesome. It was above awesome. Let's call it heavenly. Yeah, you must have got My so God. much tail. What part of Brazil? What did you say? You, you must have got so much tail in Brazil. Oh, yeah, I was fishing for red tail all day long. <laughs> oh, you mean booty? booty. Oh, you mean sex? Yeah, sex. Yes, yes. <laughs> I even did a little fishing. <laughs> That's good, man. Fishing and pussy. That's you can't cannot go wrong with that. Hey, listen, hey, fellas. I tell you what. For me, when I went to Brazil, it made me think that that was how it was going to be. So I was preparing myself for battle every single time. When it went down to fighting one fight in one night, it was a freaking breeze. Wow. I, I mean, I'm one fight in one night. I'm used to fighting groups, crews, and fucking bars. Jesus. Yeah. I don't back down. I don't back down. Valvano said it best. Never give up. Never give up. And I'm never going to give up. You will knock me the fuck out. Or I'm going to knock you out. But at the end of my fight, when we shake hands, you're going to be like, wow, maybe you don't want to fight that dude again. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to fight you the first time. Um, <laughs> now, now, Tom Erickson, now... Tom Erickson's, a, uh, you know, he's, he's a wrestler, a, a big-time wrestler. Strong McCorkle told me that Erickson still beats up him and Matt, and Matt Mitrione now. Uh, now, you fought Tom Erickson back in the day, correct? Yeah. yeah. Any, anything you want to talk about that fight? Um, other than the fact that he knocked me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a good... Going into the fight, I knew that I didn't want to tie up with his ass. Yeah, he's a big dude. I knew that because hey, he's an Olympian, dude. Uh, I know, I know how, I know how good he is. I've known him even when I was in high school, so I respected his size, his strength, his and his stamina. I just wanted to punch him in the face and hopefully get him a little uh, nervous. But I punched him and went too, got too close to him, and he got me in that front choke. He, I was out on my feet. I don't even remember anything after the first punch. And then I just remember waking up in the back going, oh, 
come on, let's go. He's like, oh, Mark gave me a hug. I said, it's over, man. I yeah. said, what happened? He's like, you didn't win. Oh, shit, fuck off, man, dang it. And he just gave me a hug, a big, long hug, and said, it's all right, man, you, you, you fought well. Yeah. That was one thing Mark Coleman was always good at. He was always good at making me say, fuck it, one match don't mean nothing. Get over it. Yeah, Next you, match is coming. Yeah, you and Coleman. Coleman was your uh, your wrestling coach at Ohio State. It, actually, when I, when, I, when I saw Coleman selling his pride trophy last week, I, I kind of... Uh, it it kind of made me, yeah, he's selling his pride trophy on uh, eBay. I think he might be strapped for cash, and it's, it was kind of sad in a way. Yeah, I was sad. like, ugh. Hey, you know what? Um, you know what? This, this, and again, I remember, I'm the guy that keeps it fucking real. Mike DeSabato, punk-ass motherfucker. I don't dislike him because, hey, he's a businessman. That's the but guy from Embrace the company, Grind, right? His company... He made the money he made, and he made he got the company he got. I was in the hospital, and I was dying. My liver and my kidneys and stuff was failing. He calls my wife. She gives me the phone. He says, how hard is it to get into MMA you know, clothing and that? I said, it ain't hard at all. What you got to do is you got to get a couple of big-name guys, wear your gear, and uh, hopefully and it'll take off. It'll take off. So, first month. He hires me. I'm in my hospital room. I said, hey, just so that you know, when you sell this company, motherfucker, I want my money. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it later. Okay, okay. I said, I want my money. He said, okay. So, Mark Coleman jumps on board. Mark Coleman and Kevin Randleman get Dan Anderson, Quentin, Chuck, and them. And then Mike DeSabato forgets who the fuck helped him get there. So, Mark Coleman would not be broke right now if he would have just took my advice and sued Mike DeSabato's ass for fucking, for fucking breach of contract. It was a gentleman's agreement, but we got him that fucking, that whole entire company wouldn't be shit if it wasn't for us. Because we helped him build it. We were the fucking guys that got the other guys on point. So, Mark, give me a call, motherfucker. You want your money? Let's go get it. <laughs> You're talking, the, uh, Mike, uh, Mike DeSabado is the guy that owns uh, Cage Fighter, right? Mike DeSabado is the guy that owns a big-ass head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, your Boz Rutten fight, that... I think was the biggest. That was the worst decision I've ever seen. Honestly, like like banging Kim Winslow over Brittany Palmer is a better decision than than, than wow. that. What? Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! Back that up. What'd you say? I said banging Brittany Palmer, oh, banging Kim Winslow over Brittany Palmer is a better decision than your fight than that fight. You 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 got screwed in that fight, man. That Boz Rutten fight. Wait, wait, wait. Let's get back to banging. Bang Winslow and... I'm sorry, but see, when you put banging involved, I don't see how banging could be a bad thing at all. Well, I'm just saying, like, let's say you'd had sex with Kim Winslow. You could have had sex with Brittany Palmer, but you chose Kim Winslow, right? I, I would say that, that yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty bad decision, correct? Okay. I'm just this is just to my wife. Baby, if you're listening, just remember, I'm all about you. Yeah, I guess you guys are right. Banging Kim Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> please, somebody please give, give Kevin Randleman his own TV show Fox Sports if you're listening Kevin Randleman needs his own show done Kevin done. Randleman needs it now but seriously that, that's, that's the name of the show keeping it real with Kevin Randleman absolutely man anything I can do to help this guy so but now, now Boz now Boz Rutten uh, that was ridiculous come on um you know what again if if fighters out there that are listening Dana White said it once and said it best 
if you don't want to have the judges involved, then don't let the judges be involved. Go out there and do your job. And I could have, I mean, honestly, during that fight, if you watch it, they stopped that fight a couple times, and Boss Rudin, they asked him, and Boss Rudin was, this is what shows the test of the fortitude of a man. That's why Boss, Boss, Rudin, is, Boss Rudin is a legend, because they said, we got to stop the fight. Do you want us to stop the fight? And each time they ask, he said, no. I'm going to get this guy tired. He's going to get tired, and I'm going to take him out. So the decision itself, I don't agree with. But the decisions that Boss Rudin were making during that fight makes me respect him and makes me say I'm very proud to say that he and, he and I are very good friends. Didn't he lie to you, though? Didn't like you guys have a gentleman's agreement in the elevator? That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We sure did. We nigga on that one. Yes. Like what happened was, like you guys met in the elevator, and he said, and you said, all right, no kicking, and he said, okay, and then he kicked you right away. <laughs> well, he didn't. He, no, no, he didn't kick me right away, but he sure woke me up right away. I don't recall whether he was on the elevator or I was on the elevator, but the doors opened and there we were. And one of, you know, we were like, oh, we'll take the next one. But before the door shut, I said, hey, if you want to, if you want to, because everyone will say, Randall won't stand up and box, man, I, that's all I do is fight with my hands. I don't go and wrestle. I don't wrestle people in the street. I knock them down and let them get back up to knock them down again until they're done. So I said, hey, if you want to stand up, just don't kick me because it's a natural reaction for me to take you down. You know, I didn't say all that, but he said, okay. And boy, I was sitting there waiting. I was in the corner. I was like, man. Mark said, take you down. I said, no, man. If he wants to stand up, he's going to stand up. And uh, I come running across the ring like I always did. And I f***ing saw his back heel come up. And I knew something. Uh, when he put that foot out there, I, I, I even said, I said, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> and, and then that was it. I just took him down. And we, we were on the ground. If it was a 21-minute fight, we were on the ground for... 18 of it. Yeah, no. And then didn't uh, didn't Mark Coleman tell you to smear his own glove into his eye? His, his, his own blood into his eye? No, he didn't say smear his own blood. He said, put, he said get your finger in that hole. Whatever, whatever, whatever is bleeding, put your finger in and try and open it up. Ugh. Wow. Now, at, now after, oh. after that, right? So then after that, you, you, uh, you go on, you win the UFC belt. Um... You, you know, you, you win the UFC belt, and then your first you you, you fight uh, you fight uh, Randy Couture, which was your last fight at 205. I, I watched that fight last night. You were beating Randy pretty bad. The first two rounds, you you had Randy out. Oh, I whooped his ass. Yeah. I was whooping his ass. Now, unlike Randy, Randy follows instructions and his game plan to the T. That's why I can't do nothing but say he is one of the greatest. MMA fighters I've ever had the pleasure of losing to because he follows his game plan. His game plan was to get close to Kevin Randleman and take him down. And our game plan was to beat him up on our feet. When the third round happened, when the third round began, Mark said, good, Kevin, just keep going out. I said, man, f*** that. I'm going to go out here and see how good he is wrestling. He said, and I remember walking away from there, and he said, no! And when I went back to the, I just remember when it was over, and I went back, he said, why the f*** did you try and wrestle him? What the f***? Why didn't you listen to me? And I'm like, f***, I'm sitting there going, yeah, you're right. You know, but I don't cry over spilled milk. I, 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 
I gotta see my glass half full every single time I do anything. You know, because um, if I didn't, I would probably put a gun in my mouth. Oh, I would have already. Kevin, so, Kevin, you're one of the best fighters of all time, one of the best wrestlers of all time. Most entertaining to watch. I mean, so you have nothing to feel bad about. You, you, you've accomplished more than point, than, than 99.99999 and keep, you know, times that by a million. So, uh, seriously. Uh, Your uh, Chuck Liddell fight, did you underestimate his power? Hell no, I didn't underestimate his power. Hell no. When we were fighting, he was on the cage, and I threw a body blow, and I, he went, ugh. So I was like, oh, shit. I want to f- again. I just think my hands are good, but they're not better than, 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 than a lot of people's. So I got off the fence, and when I was boxing, the guy said, stop dropping your hand when you come in. And sure enough, as I, when I watched that fight, I came in, and I dropped it, and he, he hit me perfectly. And that was it. I knew Chuck long before we fought. And I knew we would fight eventually if we were in the same weight class. So obviously, you know, we're friends before, and we were friends before, during, and after. The great thing about MMA is you can have beefs. You can be mad as hell. Now, I'll squash my beef with Tito if I get to touch him. If I get to put my hands in his face and try and crack that fucking egg on the top of his head. Wow. Because Humpty won't get put back together again. So when I fought Chuck, I don't underestimate one person I fight. Everyone I fight in the street, out, off in the cage, out of the cage, I give them all one thing and one possibility, and that's they're a man, and they can beat me with one punch. Yeah. And Chuck Liddell, obviously, fucking 100%. You got with one, and I got beat with one. But did, did that uh, weight cut hurt you, you think? No, dude. Listen, when I was the heavyweight champion, I was only weighing 90, 199 pounds. I used to go to weigh. I used to go to weigh-ins with with ten pound anklets on my on my on my ankles. Wow! So that I could weigh two twenty something. So then, when I was fighting Boss Rutan, Boss Rutan's corner said, "Make him take off his clothes." I would wear overalls. I love wearing overalls because I'm from Ohio, Midwest. You know, farmers and shit. So I would love wearing overalls. My wife can't stand them, so I can't even wear them no more. And I'm pissed about that. So, so. I bought a pair of overalls and she threw them fuckers out. I'm pissed. So, so when, when we were at the weigh-ins, this, their, his corner said, make him take his clothes off. And I'm like, why? I'm a heavyweight. And they said, take them off. And then, then the official said, take them off. So, you know, I don't mind being the butt of any joke. I don't mind being joked on. So I sat down right there in the front row and took my ankle weights off, hoping no one saw them. And they said, what are those? So what are those? I said, ankle weights. What? How much they weigh? 10 pounds a piece. 10 pounds, and I got on the scale like 203, 204, something. So that was the joke, you know. I'm trying to be bigger to, to mentally for people. And then they took that, then they made me the butt of that joke. So that was, I found that very funny. Now that is funny. And, and, and you, you know what? I'm going to keep roasting you. Keep asking me to roast you. You're, you're one of these guys I, I respect so much. It's hard to, I'm not, I'm, but I'm, I'm going to. And now, now talking to you, I got a lot of things. Now, uh, as far as, um, as far as uh, one of your fights, uh, I want to talk about cool is that when you lost to Rampage, it was a great fight. You lose to Rampage. And then Vanderlei Silva comes in after the, uh, comes in the ring to fight Rampage. After the fight, and you still had Rampage's back, even after he had just beaten you. I thought that was pretty damn cool. 
Now, you guys, this is, you ever heard of six degrees of separation? Yeah. Well, I am the three percent of, I'm three percent of separation, three degrees. Because when I fought Boss Rutan, Quentin Jackson and I met each other for the first time. He wasn't even in the game. And we took a long walk down in Alabama, up and down the streets, just talking about everything. And I said, hey, I said, we even said it then. One day we might have to fight each other. So what? We're going to be boys regardless of what happens. And then when then Clinton and I talked before that pride fight, and he said, man, I think they want us to fight each other. I said, Clinton, this is a fucking business. And if we fight each other, we're going to give each other the best. We're going to give this crowd the best fucking fight we can give them. And make sure you make them motherfuckers pay you the same amount they paying me. And then after that, we said we were talking, you know, it's a business. And if you don't sell yourself, who the hell is going to want to buy you? Right. So after that, you know, it's just when Quentin and I see each other, we smack each other in the face. We don't give hugs and love. We smack each other in the face until we're like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> all right. But, but black on black crime. You know, that's why we make, we, you pump up a fight to make it real. But we liked each other, but before that fight, I wanted to knock his ass out. Yeah. <laughs> and the night before, the night before the fight when we were weighing in, I cut 22 pounds. I, gave, I got to Japan weighing 224 pounds, and I cut like 27 pounds in seven hours. So I made weight. I was like two pounds under. Quinn got on, and he was a little over. And Mark was like, well, get slipping that song, get working out. I said, fuck it, dude, let's go eat. And Mark was like, no, man. I'm like, listen, that extra half a pound or whatever ain't going to mean shit. If he's going to win, he's going to win. I don't look at shit like that. But, I mean, I lost the fight, but it's not because he fucking didn't lose that extra pound. It was because I went out and ate and fucking gained 32 pounds. I woke up the next morning weighing 234 pounds. Were you, were you surprised that he was able to de uh, defend some of your takedowns? Hell no. Not at all. When you look at that fight, I shot the worst shots of my life. I was shooting the shots way out instead of trying to punch my way in. And uh, that's it. He's got a great game plan. Clinton Jackson's hard to take down. Yeah. Um, he's not easy to take down because, one, not because he's African-American, just because he's athletic. He's got those fast twitch muscles, which he could react to my speed and get back. And uh funniest thing about it, fellas, is I lost a day fighting Quentin Jackson. What do you mean? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> when we fought, when he knocked me out, I woke up in the bars at 3 something in the morning with my friends. And I was just on, I don't, I don't remember a thing. I still don't remember the fight. I don't remember the day of the fight. And when I watched the fight, sometimes little fragments of the fight in that day come back. But it's like, it's like a dream. I don't remember that fight. And every time I watch it, it's like I'm watching it for the first fucking time. Wow. It's the one, it's one of those things that is fucking absolutely amazing for me. And I love it. So some days when I just want to get a little, I want, like, some days I'm just weird and crazy, and I just like, let me look at that fight, but like, I can't believe that shit. Boom. But I remember when I woke up in Rapungi, I was like, whoa, what the f***? Mark looked at me and said, what the f***? Are you just waking up from the fight? I said, 
Who won? He said, not you. <laughs> oh, my God. So you're just on All autopilot? Right. I was on autopilot. Damn. That is crazy. Has that ever happened to you, Jake? No. Uh, no, it hasn't. No, no, we gotta ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Thank God. But, 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 but they, uh, don't call him the best color commentator for nothing. No, um, <laughs> no. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't relate. That's that's crazy. Wow. Now we have to ask about your fight against Fedor. Uh, that's probably one of the most watched things I've ever anybody's ever seen. You know, were you surprised that Fedor was able to recover from your huge slam? No, hands no. Not at all. Do you know how many guys survived that slam in practice? I don't know how many. All of them. Oh, they all do. Dude, that looks like it would have paralyzed, like a, a, a normal human being would have been paralyzed or killed from that. Yeah, it, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> well, quiet as He messed his ribs up in that fight from that slam, but it wasn't his neck, it was a rib. Wow. I found that out later. But going into that fight, I had, I had just lost my dad a couple weeks earlier. And Fedor, Fedor said, you know, he reached out to me and said, hey, we don't have to fight. You know, I understand all this, you know, because Fedor and I were friends a long time before this. And uh, he reached out to me and said, no, we don't need to fight. And I said, no, f*** that. Show's got to go on. You hear that, Tito? Motherfucking <laughs> soldier, soldier up and fight through pain. You're a bitchy-ass motherfucker. You don't decide to be called what you were called. Motherfucker. Comes back to Tito. Oh, man. Everything goes back to that bitch. Because when I think about all these young fighters that go out there and perform like fucking cheese, Ellenberger, all these guys, I look up to them because they're hard. They're hard and they're respectful. Tito Ortiz, he is none of them. He's not hard and he ain't respectful. I respect those that respect the game and respect the fame that comes with the game. He don't. Do you have any questions for Jake Ellenberger? Wow. Amazing. Is he there? Yeah. Do you, do you have any questions for Jake Ellenberger, by the way? Why? Yes. When's your next fight? Uh, April 26th at, uh, in Baltimore. Who are you banging with? Uh, a guy, Tarek Safradine, kickboxer. <laughs> too bad for it. Too bad for that guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, if that leg comes off the ground, he's a he's a he's a he's a dead man. <laughs> now, now, Kevin, I I remember at the MMA awards, I, I met you, uh, and you were asking John Jones to to uh, train with you. You were like, Hey, John, if you uh, you need sparring, let me know for Rashad and for the Rashad fight. Did he ever hit you up with that? Or, or uh, did he ever take you up? Um. Actually, John Jones doesn't need any help preparing for for anybody. Um, you know, I'm one of those guys that, like, I don't care if someone calls me. I saw those Santos before one of his fights, like the King fight. I mean, I just give I knowledge is power and help. All my knowledge came free. Everyone gave it to me free. Coaches trained me for free. Lurch showed me little things. The Gracies have worked with me. I've worked with a lot of guys, and that was all free. So I really feel like a piece of shit trying to get paid for it. So I just said, hey, if you need some help, you know, because Rashad and I are about the same height, and I'm quick. Rashad's quick. I said, let's do it. But he didn't need my help for that one. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know why people wouldn't need your help. It seems like uh, you, you bring a lot to the table. Um <laughs> Now, uh, also, uh, and then, and then finally, uh, Oh no. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Are, are you okay? Hello. Did you see Tito? I think we lost him. 
Yeah, I think we lost. Oh, uh, we lost Kevin. God, good interview so far. What do you think? Hell yeah, dude. This is, a, to me, it's the most <laughs> entertaining. I love back. his passion. <laughs> yeah. I love him going DJ, what do you, what do you, what do you, I, I heard a, oh no, and then the phone goes dead. So I don't know what's going on. You, I think what, Tito found what him. What are your thoughts on this interview so far? <laughs> I, I no, think he's um, he, tied with Baroni for most of the bombs. For sure. I keep seeing look over the I know. I'm keep looking at the time going, I'm sorry, guys. I got to bleep it. I got to bleep it. All right. So we got disconnected with Kevin Randleman. Uh, however, that was one of my favorite interviews of think, all time. I think Tito might have found him. <laughs> That's how you're disconnected. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that was hilarious. What an amazing Dude, guest. I love that guy. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea that Kevin Randleman was, was, was going to be like that, but I am thrilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely talking about keeping it real. Quite an intimidating guy, too. He's like, <laughs> he's like the Mike Tyson. <laughs> in Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Tyson back in, in the 80s Tyson, not Tyson yes. now. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's... 88, 89 Tyson. Oh, my God. <laughs> a very intimidating guy. Not a guy I would, I would mm. ever want to have on my, my bad side. Uh, so, Kevin Randleman, you're allowed to come on our show anytime you want. Uh, every anytime. Week, anytime. The Kevin Randleman hour. Uh, <laughs> Keep I it a real Kevin studio. I want to come in studio, definitely. <laughs> I, I might need some kind of a barbed wire or something. <laughs> but, Chicken but, wire. <laughs> But, well, oh, oh, oh he, 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 he's, he's saying call me back, Jack. We, all right, so we have to call. Right, let's, let's call, call him. I'm, I'm definitely not. <laughs> Kevin, what time do you need to leave? In like 10 minutes. You can stay okay. for the rest of the Kevin Randleman. All right, so we are calling him back right now. Uh, I, uh, yes, we're calling Kevin Randleman back. Hey, Kevin Randleman. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, so Kevin, we're just finishing up the uh, the interview, which has been great so far. Uh, one of my favorite ever, if if not my favorite ever. We got to get one with uh, you, Phil Baroni, and, and Hector Lombard. And Hector Lombard on the same show. And, uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Is everything okay? Or, or did you go back to therapy? Or, or what, what happened? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm in therapy 24 hours a day. Okay, cool. Now I was now I was looking at your uh, your staff infection, which might have been the worst one I've ever seen. Oh my god, that was looks like it looked like it was a giant hole in his in his rib cage. It looked like a cannon, like like landed <laughs> in your rib cage. And you said you got that when you were training in Vin Diesel's garage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Now, are you and Vin Diesel friends, or how did that happen? Um, I think a lot of people would love to be Vin Diesel's friends. Uh, I, I'm happy to say that I'm at least one of his acquaintances. Now, were you his bodyguard, or, or were you just training in his? I mean, how did you and Vin, how did you and Vin Diesel link up? Uh, Vin Diesel don't need a bodyguard, fellas. Vin Diesel can fucking do his own job. Trust me. He'll probably beat the shit out of Tito Ortiz himself. <laughs> Uh, he, he he goes back to Tito Ortiz yeah. more than you go back to vagina questions. Oh my god! Wait, yeah, but <laughs> oh. but, it was, yeah, but it was you and Rico Rodriguez and Rico, well, right? I, yeah, Rico Rodriguez was in California, and um, my wife and I uh, drove out to because you know Rico asked us to come out and chill and and, and meet the internet, so we went out and got to meet Vin and and a lot of his friends and a lot of his family. Absolutely top notch guy. Um, when you meet guys, it's like, geez, will he be an asshole or whatever? Ben Diesel is grounded. He is grounded, and then, you know he's never going to get a big head like Tito. He's going to be, he would be Ben Diesel, a very good guy. And I'm sorry for the loss that Ben Diesel and his, uh, you know, uh, uh, losing his boy no like longer. that. But Ben Diesel's a great guy. 
we were in the garage. Uh, Rico and I were in the garage, and we were just kind of messing around. And um, I had been training for a fight, and I don't block my I don't block my body because I train. I do a lot of sit ups. I got like I got I, I I train my body to be able to take kicks and stuff. So while I'm sparring with people, I was getting kicked in the ribs, and I wasn't blocking. I was blocking my head. So I'm standing there, and I'm kind of we're both kind of messing with my wife. And Rico throws a kick without a shin pad on. And when you throw a kick, it's bone on, it's bone trying to touch bone. And when he kicked me, he kicked me in that little, and there was a lot of blood where everyone was kicking me. And it was been a week since I sparred, so it was coagulated. So when Rico kicked me, his shin bone touched my rib cage, and it cut that bag and that bag of coagulated dead blood in half. Oh. No blood just went straight into my muscles, went into my shoulder. And as soon as he kicked me, I threw up on Vin Diesel's garage floor. Mm. And uh, my wife knew right then that I was fucked. She knew I was screwed. And uh, we got home that night. I had a fever. My fever went straight to like 103. The next day it was still 103. And the next day it got to 105. And like by the fourth day I was on my way to the hospital. And uh, my buddy, if it wasn't for my friend, not following my wife's directions, I'd be dead. And, 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 I'm, not, and I'm not exaggerating this. We went to the wrong hospital. And if I would have went to the right hospital, they would have gave me, they would have took the x-rays and stuff and sent me home. Where if I went to sleep one more time, I would never woke up because I was going septic. So uh, my friend Puente, God bless his heart, he got the directions wrong, took me to the wrong hospital. So when I was in this hospital, they were just running tests on me, and then I just kind of went into a, a coma. And that's, I woke up with my right chest, the whole entire pet cut completely off. I, my, my chest looked like Trey Tullignan. Like my whole right pet was gone. They had to cut my whole entire right leg off and some of my shoulder muscle. Oh my so God. when I woke up and looked in the mirror and saw that they cut off my freaking right tit, I was pissed. <laughs> I was looking for the doctor that did it. I was ready to kick his ass. <laughs> The doctor was Tito. <laughs> oh, oh man, that's uh, calling Doctor Ortiz. Well, Dr. I'm, Ortiz. well, you know what, man, you, you you live through it. You are you're not a quitter, man. You are you're a survivor, and uh, and 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 you're a legend. And uh, Kevin Randleman, thank you so much for coming on our show. Uh, you have no idea how much of an honor it is to, to to talk to you and have you on the show. And I would let any way that anytime you ever want to come on the show again. You have a uh, open door. I, I, have, I have a really good feeling you're going to be our new favorite guest. We want to become in studio. Yes. So I, have, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. And I like being colorful. Not just because I'm a black man, but I like being colorful, baby, you know? Uh, yes. You, <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. So thank you so much, man. And uh, good luck with everything. And I hope to talk to you soon. Good luck to you. Uh, hey, Jake. Good luck in your fight, man. I really hey. do like watching you fight. you one of them hardcore you're a hardcore, real hardcore fighter and one of my favorites. I like hardcore guys. Reminds me of me when I, when I was fighting. Oh, thank you, man. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Always, man. It. God bless you, baby. Keep it real. <laughs> you know, hey, everybody, if, you're not, if you don't realize it now, some little butthead out there has got my name, Kevin Randleman, and he won't give it to me no matter how much I pay him. So my Twitter is monster underscore. Nice. Follow him. Follow him. Hey, 
everybody. I am here with the monster Kevin Randleman, one of the uh, a legend in the UFC, former UFC champion. I'm here with Marina Shafir. How are you, Kevin? Hi, Kevin. How are you guys? Good. Good. By the way, thanks for coming to the show last week. It was great seeing you, brother. It was awesome. You guys are some funny motherfuckers. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> it was uh, it was an honor, man. So how now? How everyone wants to know, Kev? How are you, man? Uh, I remember last time you were on the show, you were you were feeling good. You were thinking about getting back and fighting, calling out Tito Ortiz, and then you got staff affection, a staff affection again. Is that what happened? Um, no, I had a hip. I had hip replacement. Wow. You had a hip replacement. Yes. All the years of grinding and um, training and fighting, wrestling, took its toll on me. My uh, my bad hips. I'm sorry, you're 43. I'm 44. You're 44, and you had a hip replacement. Wow. So I mean, so now, 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 what did that entail? I mean, how how long were you out for? Um, it almost killed me. I was in the hospital. I had necrosis of the hip. They didn't know. Um, it, for 10 days, they didn't know what was going to happen, and. Finally, they came back. It took me six months to get a hip. Um, okay. But I, I've been hobbling and using crutches for the last two years. Um, but they finally gave me. I, need, I knew I needed a hip, but the doctor that I was working with was an idiot, and he just kept pushing it off. Um, he pushed it off too long, and it got infected. And next thing you know, I was in the hospital fighting for my life. Um, another doctor came in, um, took me through the steps of how, what I needed to do to get a new hip. I got a new hip, and now I'm... Um, I put on 25 pounds and I'm looking good and I can, and I still fucking call out Tito Ortiz. <laughs> oh my God. I love you. That's awesome. I mean, so, I mean, so you, even with the hip replacement think you could be Tito Ortiz? I don't think, I don't think about it. It's, it's a no brainer. I'm, I, I, I would be, I, I'll always be able to be Tito Ortiz. <laughs> now I remember you telling us that when, uh, when, when Mark Coleman lost to Randy Couture, and uh, yeah. and Tito Ortiz was in the crowd talking shit to Mark yeah. Coleman. You were home, you saw it on TV, and then you got outside and ran towards the arena. Uh, no, it wasn't ran towards the arena. I was just putting on my clothes to go towards the arena and go wherever Tito Ortiz was because <laughs> the disrespect that he gives people is just like uncalled for. The sport that the sport that we've helped build, it's bigger than us. Yeah. So when he's out in the crowd acting like a dickhead, that is very wise out, of you. Calling out a calling out a legend and a and a hall of famer and Mark Coleman who's given his life to this damn sport, um, it's just uncalled for and, and somebody's just smacking him in his fucking face. <laughs> so so what do you think would have happened if you would have saw Tito that night? I mean, you would have just I would have beat Tito fucking ass wherever the fuck he was. I am not the type of guy. I don't go around with an entourage of people with me. I'm one motherfucker. You see me come through the door. That's who I am. I walk by myself. I talk shit by myself, and I fight by myself. You know what, Kevin? So, yes. Seriously, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you so hard. <laughs> I really, just by like the tone in your voice, man, if I, if I could bet on you, I would. I totally would. <laughs> Oh, well, you know what? I'm I'm definitely not over. I'm only 44, and I'm still I still got a bug up my my butt to always fight. You know, <laughs> so uh, if, if the fans make the fight, so all the fans got to do is just keep tweeting and saying, "Well, we bring back one of them old legends," because uh, Tito Ortiz really, to me, he's when he fights someone tough, he gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, 
I mean, I mean, look, Tito, Tito's a legend. You're, you're, you're a legend. Uh, you, I was, I was watching some of your stuff last last night because I, I, I really enjoyed going watching your old fights. But you know, you were um, a state champion in high school. Then in college, as a freshman, you lost one match, and that was the NCAA finals. Then you won it as a sophomore. Won NCAA's as a junior. Would have won it as a senior, but you were in prison or in jail, right? <laughs> I wasn't in jail. I felt like I was in jail, though. It was baby mama drama. Oh, yeah, baby mama drama. I mean, it was uh, basically, uh, as far as one of the best wrestlers in college of all time, shouldn't you be in the discussion? Um, You know what? I'm glad that you said that, but as far as I'm concerned, I did, I did what I did, and I loved what I did, and... If people want to talk about it, it's fine. But, you know, there are so many great wrestlers that came after me. So many great wrestlers that came after me and have made such great, better, stronger statements and, and marks with their careers. Um, I was like a flash in the pan. Like, but I, I, it was one of those things that just helped me catapult me to be a, a good fighter once I got the shot to be, a, uh, be, a, be an MMA guy. How was how a, a three-time All-American, two-time national champion, a flash in the pan? I, I, that's not a flash in the pan, Kevin. That's, that's Come on. Give me a break. Well, you know, the, the, I didn't finish my last year. You know, I, I walked away when I, when I could have been, been put in there with the John Smiths and that, but I didn't. I walked away. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, there's not much I can say about that. If I could have, should have, would have, could have. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, now, but then, I... Go on. Go ahead. No, go on, please. No, no. Really, what I was going <laughs> to say was probably something about Tito. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> then definitely go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Then go ahead, please. No, I've got to just joke. All right. Now, but I like I like the young lady on your show. Uh, she 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 she's a spitfire. I like the fact that she likes what I say. Well, well, <laughs> well. I don't know if you know Marina Shafir or about her. But uh, as far as judo, uh, she was ranked one of the best judo girls in the in in the in the uh, country. Uh, she was she was an uh, right. You were uh, only for a really short period. of She time. was one of the best, and now she's a pro fighter. She was undefeated as an amateur. Uh, she's a pro fighter who's thinking about she's going to go to Bellator this week to uh, watch to watch to hint, watch. Hint hint. Uh, so, uh, any advice for a girl like Marina Shafir from Kevin Randleman? <laughs> any advice for me? Yeah. Um, no, 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 keep... no, 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 Kevin to you, oh, not, not Kevin. you to I was Kevin. Like, um, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, she's already done it. She's already a champion in her own right of being a judo shit. I mean, when you can throw somebody across the room, <laughs> I mean, I pick guys up and throw them across the cage. I mean, it's, it's right on point. All you got to do is remember, tuck your neck. Don't let nobody grab it. <laughs> yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. You're, um, you're, if, if grab your, attach your wagon to a very strong camp or if you're not, if you haven't already, any bullshit that you see coming inside your camp is nonsense. In order to be a champion, you have to have, you know, like tunnel vision. Like you have to see yourself beating that girl's butt for six weeks straight. And if there's any bull crap, uh, you know, obviously we both can, we both understand what it takes, but like, you know, drugs, uh, rock and roll, the, the drinking, all that stuff is cool. But when you're training for a fight, the focus is the tunnel vision of you beating the piss out of that girl, throwing her on her head and breaking her face in. This is what you do. And if this is what you want to do, believe me, there's a lot of people out there that would be willing to, to, help champion the champion like yourself thank you 
I really appreciate that. No, no, I, yeah. No, 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 Kevin. What do you think about the whole John Jones getting busted for uh, cocaine? You know, I um, I I wish him a speedy recovery to get back because the sport of MMA right now, we have a champion. His name is John Jones. You can dislike him, you can hate him, but he's a great champion, and nobody can beat him. So um, we all have mistakes in our lives. We all do things, you know, and hopefully nothing costs someone else their life or John Jones his life. We all make mistakes. I've made a million mistakes, and I've gotten forgiven for every one of them. So I just hope him a speedy recovery. And um, if he's listening, you know, he, he respected me when we met. He gave me all the all the respect in the world. And I just hope that he, I hope that, that he can help him. I hope that he can fix the problem that he's having right now and get back to, get back to the fans that really love him. Yeah. No, it's, because it's, yeah. he's a, he's a great champion and I don't care if he seems a little flamboyant, if he seems a little cocky, I'm sorry. Every champion is a cocky motherfucker because you're the champion, you know, um, but you can't knock him for that. When he gets knocked down a peg or loses a fight, then everyone's going to come back and be with John Jones to avenge that loss. But until we get there, I'm just so happy that we have some of the champions that we have in the sport. John Jones, the, uh, the Anderson Silva's, um, you know, just we have some great champions that kids can really look up to. And, and I don't want to see those things change. And I don't want to see a black black eye on the sport that we've, we've all loved so much and that we hope to see build up into greater things. You know, I can't wait to see, um, uh, Conor McGregor making Floyd Mayweather money. That'd be some sick, that'd be some sick shit. Right. Or Ronda Rousey making some Floyd Mayweather money. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you making some of that Floyd yeah. Mayweather money. <laughs> right. Right. No, absolutely. Now, now I, I gotta say, I was looking at some of your earlier fights. You were saying that you fought in Brazil, uh, and, uh, uh back in the day, where they threw you out of the ring and then guys were attacking you and they threw you back in the ring? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. Brazil, Brazil, if you were going to become a fighter, I couldn't think of an, any better way to get initiated into the sport than have to fight three freaking Brazilian men who have fought Valley Tudo all their life in the street and you know, and, and climb into a ring and fight these guys because it's their ring, it's their country. And, you know, they had the, the, you know, you punch someone, you fall on the ground. It's hot down in Brazil. So we're sweating and the mats had got blood on it from the previous fights and all that stuff. So we're sliding across the mats and sliding across the ring. Cause it's a boxing ring. Well, on the bottom of the ring, there's no mesh tape or anything to keep the guy from sliding out. So Ebenezer Braga was, I punch him like a robo. Like a like a robo like a robo robot across the floor, and when he would get out, I knew he was hanging out, but I figured shit he should have fell out. And then when I'd look up, I'd look up, and his cornerman would be over in my corner next to Mark Coleman, holding Ebenezer Braga's back up so he doesn't fall out. And I look up, and he kicks me in the face with his, the heel of his foot. My eye instantly swells up, shut, closed, and what he gets out. He gets out of the ring, they pull him out, and he walks back around to his corner, walks up the stairs, do do do, gets in the ring. I'm sitting there looking at Mark like, what the fuck just happened? Jesus. Mark's like, get him. Go get him. <laughs> put him back down on the ground and punch him some more. And sure enough, put him back on the ground, 
boom, boom, across the mat, looked up again, he hits me in the other eye. I uh, I was blind going into my second and third fights. That's crazy. And then and then and uh, Coleman was your corner. When you fought Boz Rutten, didn't Coleman say to 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 take his blood and blind him with his own blood? He told. I mean, Mark Coleman. I love him. If it wasn't for Mark Coleman, I would not not have been a national champion wrestler the way I was dominating. Because with a guy like Mark Coleman behind you, you can. It's almost impossible for us to fail. Because we we work so hard and failure is just not an option, you know. When you're so training, powerful. you're going into when we go into battle, we we beat each other so bad in practice that there is not one person on this planet that can do worse than what Mark and all the other big ass heavyweights did to me in practice. So walking in to fight someone that weighed 265 pounds, six seven, that was a, it was a piece of cake for me, and that was who I fought my last fight, Ebenezer Bragger. He ended up choking me out 25 minutes. Yeah, we fought straight too. It was like. One fight, my first fight was 17 minutes. My second fight was like 14 minutes straight. My last fight was like 24 minutes straight. No time limits, just straight. You know what I want to go do right now? Kevin, do you, you, you know what I want to go do right now? I seriously just want to leave this podcast and go train. <laughs> really? Based on I'm that. like, this is like the pre-workout I haven't had in a really long time. Well, I will pump you up. Believe me. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. Call me a you great, totally a great are. Uh, Jeez. pump man. So wait, so wait. So, Col- so, so you're fighting Boz Rutten. He's bleeding and Coleman's yelling at you, take his blood and put it in his own, in his own eye so he, he can't see. Put it in his eyes, Randleman. <laughs> Blind him with the blood. <laughs> Smear it in his face. Stick your finger in the cut. Pull it. Mark Coleman, he, he just won. He wanted me to put my, uh, when I was in Brazil, one of the guys stuck his finger in. Oh, he tried to bend my finger back. I broke, I break both of my thumbs because every time I feel a punch or whatever, I broke both my thumbs and the guy pulled my finger. So I took my finger and put it in his cut and tried to rip it open. Oh my God. He tapped short. He tapped. Yeah, well, you got you got your finger in his cut, and that's oh yeah, oh, right above his left eye. <laughs> I tried to rip that son of a bitch open. Wow. Now uh... it, it it introduced me to how vicious the sport is. It it got me acclimated on how great and how, how gruesome and how how violent the sport can be, but how at the same time, like when you're fighting somebody and you're getting punched and it doesn't hurt. It's like wow, like I'm mo- I'm the most invincible motherfucker on the planet. You just feel empowered. You feel so strong, and you can't wait for the next punch to come. So I'd go back to my room after the first fight and just sitting there, just I would just pace like, man, I'm gonna fuck this dude up. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Let's go. Mark would say, just calm down, random, and sit down, sleep, go to sleep. How can I sleep right now? I'm getting ready to go fight another dude. And sure enough, they would call me, and I'd be so much. I'd be still pumped from the first fight, going into the second fight, and like it took two hours for this fight to get done. But Mark Coleman, man, he's never going to let you think that you're losing. But his face never lies. So <laughs> when I when he was looking at my face, and I had my my nose was broken, my my teeth came through my lips, my eyes were both swollen shut. My thumbs were swollen, my hands were swollen, my kneecap, my left kneecap was broke. I mean, his face couldn't lie to me. He looked at he looked at me and just gave me a hug, put my head on his chest, and was like, it's all right, Randall. You know, and you feel better, but, you know, the doctor made me feel better when he gave me some pain meds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you ever think of yourself, like, you're in 
you're in Brazil. You got all that going on. You ever think to yourself, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> Maybe I should have just, uh, you know, been a wrestling coach or something. Did that ever like, cross your mind? Never once in my life. I don't have regrets like that. I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm the type of guy that I need I need excitement or I just I'll I'll just trip up and die. Right. So if you threaten me, hey, let's go jump out some planes. I'm in. <laughs> you want to go blow some stuff up in the mountains? We're let's not going to get in trouble. Do I'm it. In. Yeah, let's go blow some you shit up. You want to down the side of MGM? We're going to get arrested. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So so if Tito Ortiz for the living. So if Tito Ortiz and wanted I, to fight you right now. If Tito in. Ortiz if someone said that Tito Ortiz and Kevin Randall could fucking fight right now, I'd kiss my wife, go to school and hug my son and disappear for three months. Oh my god. And when you see me, you would swear up and down that God the gods have blessed me because I would be ready to kill Tito Ortiz. Every punch he would throw at me, I would eat. I'd smile at him. I'd smile and spit blood in his face. But I guarantee you, I would be one mean motherfucker on the day that Tito Ortiz and Kevin Randall were about to get down. Oh, man. Nothing would matter. Nothing. No fucking sex. Nothing. My wife would just get a kiss and she would kick me out herself. I like your wife, by the way. Your wife is awesome. His wife is like six foot two from Brooklyn. I love she's, it. She's like a throwback. She's she's like a, a real woman. That's I like awesome. Your, your wife she is. is a real woman too, and you don't want her to throw you back. She's fearless. Now, now, before your wife, right? When you knock out uh, Crow Cop in in uh, Japan, right? You knock out Crow mm-hmm. Cop in one round. Are you just? I, I know you, I don't want your wife to hear this, but are, is it just Japanese orgies? I mean, are, are, is it like Hello Kitty chicks just lining yes, up? Yes, absolutely. Oh my god! Dude, I'm, write, I'm writing a book, right? I'm writing a book. Yeah, Adam, you know I'm writing a yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can guarantee you right now that as soon as it's done, Adam, you, you, Joe Rogan, Dana White, the Petitas are all going to get a book because it's it's Noah's bar uncut. It's for real. It's what happens. Sex was sex was appealing to everybody that was in Japan. If there was a girl in your crew, that girl could have got laid by anyone, any numerous star, star fighter that was there. Wow. You know, I mean, it was just like so. That. You just it had ended. pussy thrown at you like constantly, like, and that's when you had to turn your head movement off because you didn't want to dodge uh, it. True. Listen, make no fun. You can make a joke about it, but it's the same for you too. No, they're going to be throwing it at you too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I mean. So you're banging how many? How many Japanese girls a night are you? I mean, when when like back in the Pride days, it's just you and Chuck just running trains on girls. Oh come on, now that's not even right. Okay. Ever. Although so, we although we did tag team Krokop because if it wasn't for Chuck. Oh Liddell, my God. We beat up, we beat Crow Cop down together because Chuck okay. Liddell for six days straight before I fought Crow Cop trained me. Oh, nice. I didn't, I didn't know anything about fighting a southpaw or fighting a kickboxer and Chuck for six days in Japan would come and help me train for Crow Cop and literally what he showed me was the reason why I knocked him out. Wow. So That's what, fucking awesome. Now, what, I mean, what did, what, did, what did Chuck show you? What Was it, I mean, just... He showed me stances. He showed me the preparation, like when a guy goes to throw a kick, that all the little tails that they give, mm. and how to attack, how to attack the guy that's throwing the kick. If a guy's throwing a kick and he's trying to kick me with his right leg, attack his left shoulder, push him off balance. He's going to hit you, but it's just not going to be the powerful hit that he would get if you wouldn't push the shoulder. 
So finally, the day of the fight, I said, well, Chuck, can I just throw a hook and hit him? He's like, that's it. That's exactly what you should do. Be ready. And sure enough, I hit him with the left hook and dropped him. And and when the fight was over, I was just standing there walking around the ring like, damn, I can't fucking believe. Wow, that was fucking easy. You know, I, that's exactly what I was saying to myself. And Chuck jumped in the ring and was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I, I don't know. I, it kind of shocked me. I said, I don't know. What's the matter? Why ain't you going crazy? I said, I, I don't know. Why the fuck are you crazy? Jumped up on the ring ropes and Mark Coleman and, and Chuck and were in the ring going crazy. That's- it was funny. We got back to the got back to the thing. And like Chuck, didn't, Chuck was like, he didn't even know what to do. He's like, yeah, that's random. And that's awesome. I don't get excited after fights, you know. I, I, I really do love fighting. I love every day. You know, I'm training three days. I train three times a day when I fought. I don't care what anyone says. Like, you wow, just, it's like a job. It was a job I loved. The it, only job that I ever loved. Are you? Were you the kind of? Are you the kind of fighter that really enjoys like the process? Almost yes. sometimes more than the fight. Yes. Yeah. The fight is sometimes the fight. Most of the time is a letdown. Because, like I say, if you've got a good stable of people around you, yeah, like when you're like overly prepared, it just doesn't go. They're gonna beat you down. Yeah, they're gonna be. They they like you. They love you. They want to see you win. But in practice, they want to beat you down, and that's where you're. That's where you win the fight. Yeah. Because in the fight, they never. I never fought someone whose hands were faster than me. Yeah. They would throw punches, and I'd move out the way like Spider Man did, and then he was moving like, "Holy shit, that was so slow, dude! Wow." So, you know, it's, man, I, I love the process. You are so right. I love the process. It's a beautiful I thing. I love getting punched in the face. It's a beautiful thing, I'm telling you. Now, now, uh, now, you were telling me that Dana got upset with you for hopping over the ring. <laughs> yeah, he shut that down real quick. <laughs> Holy shit. What happened? He said, you ever jump over that fence again, I'll kick your ass myself. <laughs> I, I'm done, dude. I ain't going to never jump over that ring. <laughs> one, I want to kick my ass. I want you to kick my ass. And two, I want to keep working for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you know. I forget who it was for. Maybe Pedro Hizzo or maybe Pedro. I, I think I, I won the fight, so that's where that's where I got away with it. But I think it was Pedro Hizzo I jumped over, and when I jumped, I, li- I literally just grabbed the top of it and leaped over it, and I did. I got over the motherfucker. I was tripping. <laughs> I myself was surprised. Because <laughs> then when I landed, I was off balance and I landed and my leg almost hyperextended and I looked back and Dana White was like, <laughs> now, but someone said, now someone said there was a fight where you knocked yourself out before the fight. What? Did that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened I there? Was in, I was in uh, Lake Charles, Missouri. I mean, Lake Charles, Mississippi. And I was fighting Pedro Hizzle the first time. And, you know, it was... It was a big, it was like a big convention center kind of place. And they they didn't have, they, they had too many seats and not enough people to fill them. So they had a lot of those, you know, when you have a concert or something, they put up the big canopies with all the steel bars. They put, they put it together and they put stuff so they can't see behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, those pipes were all sitting behind a curtain. When I was behind the scenes, I saw the pipes. So that was no big deal. I walked out safe i went out and fans saw me so they came down to get autographs and pictures with me well uh, one of the cops came down and said hey man if you could you mind moving back back to the back because all these fans are going to be coming down and it's going to be crazy trying to get these fans out of here i said okay no problem mark Coleman came up to me and said hey man it's time for you to get come back and get warmed up 
So I went in the back. I was running. I put my Walkman back on. Remember the old Walkmans with the tape? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's come a long way. Yeah. So I went, went running back, and as I was running back, I ran through the part of the c- curtains that had all the pipes, and I wasn't thinking about it. I'm an athlete. I'm got my music on. I'm thinking about punching them five times in the face, and I hit the pipes. Feet went up in the air, and I woke up with like two or three white guys <laughs> in my face. Oh and man! Soon, and, and when I woke, I woke. I, when I came to, I freaking just grabbed both two of them by the throat and was like trying to choke them. Like, I don't know what's going on, but like, you're in my face right now. And they're like, dude, dude, calm down, man. You were out. You were out. And I'm like, oh, fuck. get me up off the ground before someone sees me. It's too late. People saw you. Well, keep me up anyway. Oh man! So I ran back to my locker room and I threw up a couple. I tried not to let anyone see it because you know you throw up, they know you got a concussion. Ran around the building and threw up a little bit, and and uh, and then you fought with a concussion. No, he didn't fight. He didn't oh. fight. fight no, I didn't fight. They canceled it. Uh, man, they canceled it because they had some they had some punk. Well, I shouldn't say punk because they were just trying to protect me. Which is one of the great things that you know people got to remember. This sport used to be barbaric. Yeah, it's not barbaric anymore. It's beautiful to watch women climb into a ring against someone of their size, their strength, and their, you know, their, their maybe not abilities because some people are really fantastic when you watch them. Um, and just let them watch them go. It's like a chess match, but it's, it's like human evolution. This is what we used to do back in the day. Now we've got men and women just banging it out, you know, contact, punch for punch, blow for blow, toe to toe. They just going at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of what MMA is. I, I it totally makes agree. the smallest guy feel like he can be the most powerful man in the world. And true, you don't see people fucking with 125 pound men no more, do you? No. Or women. People, people back off. Or women. You dang right, because I don't, I don't fuck around with women anyway. Because because I don't I don't fight women and they throw punches. My wife hit me once. <laughs> I made a statement I shouldn't have made, and she has a six two and a half reach, and I was probably. I was probably five feet away from her. So when she punched through me, I was like, yo, you know what? That's it. I'm not training her no more. Punching, no, no more boxing. You, know, you hear me? I was like, the next time you, you, next time you do that, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to flash back to Tito day. <laughs> now, we laughed about it, but, you know, I was like, I forgot. You know, she was, she was every, just kind of like, you're going to learn today. Yeah, the, 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 the funniest is when Kevin told me to roast him, and I did. He's like, what? He's like, what are you going to roast me? And I started roasting him, and then I got uh, all these people on Twitter started roasting him, and I got a phone call. Hey, man, tell him to stop. My wife's going to kill me. Oh, <laughs> that, that was a mistake. I was tripping. I was like, man, it's fucking roast. I got roasted, man, and it didn't feel, it didn't feel, it felt like shit. <laughs> like, I, I expected them to talk shit about me, throw in steroids, stories, and, and all kinds of stuff. I said, and I reached out to them, I said, yo, dude, man, I thought you were going to roast me. And they were like, well, we don't want you getting mad at us and kicking our ass if you ever need us, <laughs> if you ever meet. So I was like, no, dude, man, roast me like you would roast anyone else. And then sure enough, my you wife got what you like, asked for. Yeah. <laughs> My wife was like, why the fuck would you let someone's rush you? Because you're going to get pissed off, and then you're going to get pissed off, and you're going to want to kick someone's ass. So you should stop it. And I'm like, no, it's all right. And I'm watching the post, and I'm like, oh, shit, that was harsh. Oh, that hurt me. Oh, my son felt that way. He ain't even born yet. Oh, my gosh, that's terrible. Oh, please, you guys, stop. Please. I called a couple times, sent a text. Please stop whatever you're doing. Stop the bleeding. It's killing me. Stitch me up. I'm good. That was one of the so funniest I got, things. That I got awesome. roasted very well. That was so funny. Now, I got I to gotta say, last time you, you started to talk about how in the early 
early UFC days, you would go into the locker room and people would be doing steroids, people would be having sex, there'd be drug dealers in there. I, I mean, was it insane or what? Wow. Before the, before the Fatitas got a hold of this great organization, there was a lot of things that were allowed to go on. You didn't have you didn't have red coats. You didn't you there were no red coats walking you around, ushering you around. There were no tags. You didn't get tags. I could walk out and grab four girls and bring them back into my locker room if I wanted. They didn't care. I was the man. They would let anyone pass through. You know, there was no there was no VIP section, there was no floor seats or anything. You know, you got to you got to seat what you wanted if you got there early enough. So I'm not, I never saw anyone doing steroids. Right. But sex in the locker room, absolutely. That's definitely, definitely a, a, a goal. That's a goal. That's a goal, Captain, Captain America. That's a goal. <laughs> That's... Definitely. Um, <laughs> that, that was it. There, no. was, there was definitely, there were definitely situations where um, I've seen, you know, drugs being used. Yeah. But steroids, I can never say anything about steroids. But I can say that there were drugs, you know, there was I've seen coke being used and stuff, but when Dana got the company, that shit stopped. Yeah. You know, there was there was there was protocols. There were you know, it, it made it safe for us. You know, people we can knock Dana White and we want to get paid more money and all that shit, but you know, you think think about it. The sport's been around and it's been mainstream for mm, let's say five, six years where people, you know, kids, kids are actually parents are crazy. Parents are actually training their kids at five to be fighters. I don't know why you would want your kid to get punched in the face but with an MMA glove at seven, eight years old, but to each his own. Um, but it was, it was not safe. You know, you can get hurt and, you know, just like all the other shows, you know, you, 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 you can get headbutted. You know, they changed so many rules. Yeah. Boss Rutten in my fight changed the l- rules to rounds. You know, rounds, you know, we, we, we were the last fight. We were the last fight that we fought straight minutes. It was just straight time, 20 minutes straight, and then three minutes overtime. That was, and by the way, that was a bullshit fight. You won that fight. I don't care what he says. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know Boss Hooten, if he's listening to this, he's like, like, fuck that man. I beat that guy. <laughs> I love you, Boss. I love you. A boss is awesome. I, I, I enjoy that. watching it just to see how, how far the sport's gone, really. Well, listen, Kevin, uh, I am so happy you came back on the podcast. You, you have Me no too. Idea. You, you are, you're, honestly, you're the most, you and Hector Lombard are the two most requested guests we get on the podcast. And uh, you are one of a kind, man. And I can't wait to read your book, so happy that you got the hip replacement. Everything's okay. You're overcoming the staph. I've never seen a worse staph infection in my life. That was like I don't know if you know he had staph infection that was like a like it was like three bullets. It was like someone threw a cannon through his. It was horrible. But you overcame. They had to take off my. They took my right pectoral muscle and my right latissimus lat, lat muscle off. Wow. They cut it and put it in the trash. I was pissed. <laughs> Holy shit! But you over. I was trying to kill. I was trying to get my hands on doctors that day. <laughs> But you overcame all of it. You overcame all of it. And you look great, man. Yeah, uh, People said on Instagram, you look younger now than you did when you were fighting. So uh, you, you, you're doing Good great, man. Good clean living. Good clean I mean, living. My, my, you met my wife. I love- she, she's, a real, she's, she's as real of a chick as they come. Yeah. And when it comes to ride or die, boy, I mean, I'd rather have her two hands behind me fighting with me than anybody else's. 
That's awesome. And then you're and then you you're still working with the kids with the uh, the uh, wrestling camp, right? Yes, we have a wrestling team called Monster uh, Monster Academy, which which Scott Kimball, who's a great great uh, mentor to kids. We've got about 60 kids, and with our luck, every one of those kids will get a scholarship to college when they finish with our program and get their state championships. And you know, we just want to we just want to build as many citizens that would be willing to come back and help other kids become better citizens. So listen, people, if you're listening, uh, the monster loves hearing you from Twitter. I, I, from Twitter, uh, I, know, I know I know you love hearing from the fans. You are you are a legend, and uh, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on our show, man. Soon as I soon as I get this book finished, Adam, I'm going to send it to you so that you can start telling everybody how crazy <laughs> really was real and the, the Hello Kitties, which, the, Hello <laughs> Kitty, the Hello Kitty stories are absolutely true. I can't wait to hear about it. Kevin, <laughs> well, take care, Kev. Take care. Have a good one, Kevin. Wait, wait. The young lady that's on the show with you, I want to write her name down because I want to follow her now. Uh, I'm a fan. Marina, M-A-R-I-N-A. Shafir, S-H-A-F-I-R. I really appreciate that, Kevin. And where can people follow you on Twitter? Me? Yeah. The Monster. The, the monster. The monster. That's my. That's my. That's my call sign. The monster. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Kevin. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you, guys, and you, and good luck with your career, Marina. I'll Thank be watching you. for you. Thank you very much. All right. All right. God bless you guys. You and too. happy New Year to everybody. Happy uh, New Year. Happy New Year, Kevin. 2015 is our year. Take care, brother. Bye. All right, that was Kevin Randleman. Wow. <laughs> what a stand-up guy. Seriously, I'm a fan for the rest of my life. Oh, my God. How do you not like that guy, huh? Yeah, that was so funny. I can't wait to read his book. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, back in the day. Kevin Randleman. Holy shit. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was a straight-up beast. Monster. Dang. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Randleman, former UFC champion. Uh, just... Uh, all around badass. Uh, so he was a guy. You ever see that, that clip of the guy who tossed Fedor on, on his head? Yeah, that's, that was that, him. That was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, uh, well, thank you for being on our show and uh, take care. Oh, should we let's close up the show? Yeah, let's close up okay. the show. Well, that was our show. Uh, we have two more shows this week with Joe with Joe Warren and Aljamain Sterling. Uh, thank you, Kevin Randleman. Thank you, Marina Shafir. Thank you, DJ Shro. <laughs> That clock is working, right? Hey, Henzo Gracie. Hello. Who? Is this Henzo Gracie? Yes. Yes. Hey, this is uh, Adam Hunter, Marina Shafir, Greg Wilson. You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. It is such an honor oh, to have you I, on I the show. I was waiting for your call, my man. Let me put the phone so I can, we can make that a good interview for you guys. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> my pleasure. A pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you. I'm surrounded by friends here, but time flies. Uh, yeah, it does. We are all, brother. We're on? Yes, yes. So we are talking to we are talking to a legend, a UFC legend, a Pride legend, uh, a K1 legend, the guy Henzo Gracie, a guy whose grandfather was Carlos Gracie, who started jiu-jitsu. You grew up in Rio de Janeiro. What was that like, man? What was it like... Being Henzo Gracie, being born to the Gracie family. Ah, uh, man, it was an unbelievable experience. Believe it. If I if I die and I could pick where I'll be born again, I would choose to be in the same place. 
It was, it was unforgettable. By the way, they only call you legend when you get old. Just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> But it was, it was unbelievable. We were very different. The way that my grandfather and my father educated us, you know, it's everything. We had big birthday parties uh, with uh, rolling on the, on, the, on the middle of the living room on the day of birthday parties, you know. It's, yeah. It was a unique, unique life experience, you no. know, and... Uh, And I realized now that my father was, my grandfather and my father were actually teaching us not only jiu-jitsu, but it was how to sell confidence to people, you know, and uh, it was a very rich experience. Yeah, I, I was watching videos of, of guys, they would c come to your house and, and, and you, would f you, were, you would fight them and you would beat the crap out of these guys. <laughs> and, and they were like... It was, it was, yeah, it was like it was safer. Instead of fighting on the streets, we'd set up an appointment and normally the guys were fighters too. So we would book in a house and we would go at it, you know, and in the end you shake hands and everybody was friends again. <laughs> yeah. Man. Now, now you started doing jiu-jitsu at six. Uh, you, you, you didn't lose from age six to 15 years old. Uh, yes, I begin actually at five. I begin at five. My first competition, I was seven. Wow. You know, and uh, I compete a lot. I always love it. And every competition I could, I would jump right in. Mm. You know? No, it, it was amazing. And uh, uh, now, when you went to New York to open up your own school uh, and and to teach Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, was the family mad at you? Were they, were they upset that you were like kind of letting the secret out? No, not, I don't know upset, uh, but they they would rather have me working with them, you know. And, mm. and I, I was I was very independent my whole life. You know, I I, I own a bar when I was sixteen. I bought a bar when I was sixteen. And I was able to make the number one bar in Rio de Janeiro. I used to sell 12 and 7, 12, 27 kegs of beer a night, you know, with live music. People that sang for me end up sang, uh, singing on the Grammy a couple of years back here. And they used to sing just for beer, you know. And I was always very efficient. With that, I could provide for, for two families, you know, my mother and my aunt's family. And, and I was always very independent. I could never picture myself work to someone else by myself. Right. You know, and that's why I decided to come this way. And when I came to New York, I fell in love. I said, this is the best city in the world. I had access to everything, you know, and I, it was very challenging to move here and, 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 to, and to make things happen here. I began teaching a kung fu place, putting mats down and, and removing the mats every night, cleaning the bathroom. I was teaching seven days a week, but I, I enjoyed every single minute, you know, and commuting an hour An hour each way every day, you know? Well, with, with a smile on your face. With a smile on your face. Now, now, always, always. <laughs> now, was it hard, though? Because everybody else was a white belt. At the, at the time, you're a third-degree black belt. Was it hard getting good guys to train with? It was extremely tough because at the same time that I was, that I was teaching and working, I was training to fight pride, to do all those things. So what I would do, I would roll every day with every single student. So like, I'll, I'll, that's why we end up having guys like Matt Sarah, Rodrigo Grace, all those guys were my training partners. And I, when I got them, they were white belts. Matt Sarah used to work in a, in, a, in, a, in a secured booth in Long Island, in a factory. And I took him out of there, gave him a job to help me teach here so I could roll with him every day and, and train in a daily basis for him. So were you the only guy not surprised when Matt Sarah beat GSP? 
yeah, I knew if uh, GSP came in just to trade blows, it Matt was very dangerous. Yeah. I've seen Matt breaking people's jaw in a, in a sparring session, you know? He hits like, like he's hungry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I knew, I knew that that could happen. On that particular fight, both belong to our team. You know? Both were part of our family here, so I told them, I don't want to train none of you. You guys go... Go train whatever you want. They already met, already had his school in Long Island. You train there. GSP trains in Canada, and I will sit down and watch the fight. <laughs> but I don't make me corner or for a root for one of you two. You know. I was watching your and fight. They, yeah. I was watching your fight last night against Oleg, and uh, uh-huh. that was one of the craziest up kicks. I'd never seen an up kick knockout like that. Was that something you had actually planned? No, I, I, yeah, I trained that a lot. I used to train them because that was one of the best defenses when you were doing guard. If the guy still yeah, brings his body up to try to reach you to ground and pound. So the best strike you have it. And in reality, your leg was the fifth person in my life that I knocked out like that. Oh, wow. I had knocked out people out before in street fights with the same move. Speaking of street fights, uh, I'm going to go back to your crazy career. Uh, the, there, there have been a couple street fights you've gotten to recently. Uh, one of them you live tweeted. Uh, so a guy tried to, a guy tried to attack you in Central Park, and you yeah, lost. Uh, <laughs> they, they, I, I didn't know this, but this is how they rob people in New York. They, they come at you like, give me a dollar, give me a dollar, give me a cigarette, you know. And then they reach in your pocket, they take a wallet. It's, it's because if they get arrested. They have an excuse. They say that they were asking for a dollar. It wasn't I asking for a dollar. It wasn't a robbery, you know? But in reality, that's how they rob people. And, and, and I saw these two guys. I, I went to grab money at an ATM machine and next to a restaurant that I was in. And I, as I left, they stopped calling me, you know? And, and they came and tried to, to get my wallet. They give me a cigarette, give me a cigarette. Even though I told them I didn't smoke or I didn't... So then when I, I'm waiting for a gun or, or a knife, at least, you know, and they never, and they never show me, not even a Swiss knife. So I couldn't, well, I had to, I couldn't accept to be robbed by someone just like with their hand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so then what did you do? Did, did, now, did you, did you knock them both out? I'm sorry. I knocked the first one out. <laughs> and I broke his nose. And I tried to grab the second one, but the second one was back then. He took off. And I was able just to grab his shirt a little. And, 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 and he was able to get away, you know. So then I came back. The other one was getting up. So I said to him, my man, you're trying for us. There's eight million people in this city. And I'm the fool. And you pick me as the fool, you know. Yeah. So I, I put a video on him a little, scare him a little bit, <laughs> and, and then I, 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 I let him go. I went, got my car, and I went around the block and I started following this one. There was a broken nose. And because I knew that they set up a, a, a place to meet again, you know? Yeah. So the other one, had, this was near the 7th Avenue, so the other one took off and it was near the 10th Avenue, looking in the corner waiting for his friend. I was able to go around, they didn't know my car, and I saw the guy on the corner. So I parked and I went uh, running next to a building, they couldn't, the guy couldn't see me. When I turned the corner, he was standing there looking for his friend, you know, so I choked him out standing. 
<laughs> so I choked him out standing. Wow. Okay. I, I did the raccooning, the little portions on the eyes, because otherwise he choked the guy out. He doesn't learn from it. Yeah. You know? Right. So then I gave him two purple eyes so he can see himself in the middle and remember. <laughs> to not be but an asshole. <laughs> yeah, imagine so for that. sure they, they are newborn Christians by now, I think, you know? Yeah, they of course. They probably just joined a church. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but then then last year you were at a bar and a bouncer messed with you and you you, you uh, beat up the bouncer, right? Yeah, it was actually the, uh, the, the head of the door, the guy who takes care of the door. He had like seven bouncers with him and he was very insulting, insulting to everybody. The reason why I actually went there to get him it was not even because of me, because he saw me before, but I saw him insulting uh, a couple that was that was too much, you know. And for you to have an idea, that after the next day that this happened, I had at least 10 emails of people that were harassed by him. And, oh, and he was wow. one of the most hated guys in this business, you know. But for him, the moment that I shot and I took him down and I mounted him, he stopped crying. <laughs> I yeah, I was going to say he should I host Bouncer Beatdown. Yeah, yeah it's every enemy, every fat guy, when, when he's, he's time to become the nail, you know, they decide not to, <laughs> yeah. to be tough anymore. And then Wait, there was, why are you beating me up? What did I do to you? Please. <laughs> How can you hit someone like this? Right. You know, so he spoiled my, he spoiled an unique experience that I could have. Mm. By crying. <laughs> and th- then there was a guy. Then there was a guy who tried to get your daughter to smoke weed at a concert, and you took his head he and put it in the toilet. It wasn't, wasn't weed. It was beer. Beer. Tried to give beer to my daughter. I'm on my daughter's concert, and well, the guy's trying to, to give beer to my daughter. I said, "What thing? She's a minor. She's seventeen. Could you please?" And he started making fun of me. You know. Wow. And then he looked at me. And he goes, "What are you gonna do about it?" Ugh. You know. And there was two more girls with him. And at that moment, they put some money together. The guy goes to grab beer for the three of them. And I was able, and he was drinking so much beer because I knew he was going to go in the bathroom. He needed to use the bathroom, drinking that much beer. So he, when he went to the bathroom, I went after him. And you should have seen the surprise when he walked in the stall and I come right after him. Uh, <laughs> so wait, so you, you put know, it... Side, so yeah. you put his head in the in the actual toilet? I choked him out and put his head inside the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a good smelling toilet. Oh, was, and at a concert too. Yeah. That's the worst yeah. toilet yeah. experience That's available. Like, is the, the concert toilet? There is no coming back from that. <laughs> he probably still smells like pee. Well, I mean, why would you? First yeah. of all, you're trying to get a, a, a young shit. a young girl drunk, and then Henzo Gracie's daughter. Yeah, a, and he's like, stop, and cool. he's like, oh man, yeah. he asked for it. And, and my wife, it was a situation that my wife was ugly. My wife was like, what's wrong with this guy? And, and he keeps making fun of me. He looks at me. What are you gonna do about it? Are you pissed? Are you angry? What are you gonna do about it? He keeps oh. These, these kids have no... <laughs> they got no respect. Much, yeah. yeah. They have no idea. And then I told him, uh, you cannot, you cannot uh, go back to your seat. I was choking him a couple of times, give him the, 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 the raccoon attitude. Then I told him, if I see you back on your seat, I'm going to finish the job. I'm going to knock all your teeth out. So I don't want to see you on the arena anymore. Time for you to go home. And then right. the guy disappeared. Didn't see him again. But I couldn't relax because you never know, you know. Yeah. So now it's come back. 
So I'm there feeling pants, and the women that, that were sitting with him, they're pissed. They thought the guy took the money and left. Right. Like, they're like, where did this guy go? <laughs> where's my fear? Where's my fear? I told them about that. They don't even tell me back. <laughs> you're like a superhero yeah really you, yeah. you really are you really like should have your own show <laughs> yeah now now i was looking yeah. at some of your fights uh you, there was a fight that you had against eugenio tado the fans rioted so bad uh-huh. it, it was it was a it was a, a draw yes it was uh it was a draw no contest whatever the hell they called but basically it's uh every time what happened is they invaded the, the, the attempt and they sued the ghetto guys because Eugenio used to run like a, used to, to run with a lot of drug dealers in the ghetto in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So they surrounded the cage and they actually they want to cancel the fight. And I said, no, 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 don't worry. I don't got the guy hears you. The, the cage is surrounded. There's people with guns. There's people with knives. I say, my man, when that gate locks, it's me and him. And I'll beat the crap out of him. So I go in, we go at each other, you know. And every time on my back, I, I actually got stabbed on that day. I got sliced on the, when my back touched the, 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 the cage. And I was getting kicked every time I had my head, you know, touching the cage. And oh. I have all that on tape. And on that moment, one of the guys kicking me, I saw him. I said, man, what's wrong with you? My sister thinks he's harder than you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and this, the fight is going on. Wait, wait, hold so on. In Let- one of those moments... Uh-huh. Let me get this straight. So wait, you're in a fight. There's a drug dealers. Uh-huh. There's drug dealers with guns around the cage. Every time you, yes. you, your back is into the cage and somebody stabs you, and you keep fighting. Yeah, they, they cut me. I kept fighting. That was no problem. Everything was healthy until then, you know. <laughs> so on that moment, they break up the fight. They pull us apart because Eugenio was a little bit away from me. I was laying down doing guard. So they tell me to get up. When I stand up, this guy that was speaking me the whole time, he sticks his head inside the cage, cursing at me, you know? So I'm looking at Eugenio, like I'm going to move forward, and I hit him right in the nose, the guy on the cage, you know? I clock him. When he fell from the cage, my brother kicked him in the head. <laughs> so then the whole fight, yeah, the whole fight broke, you know? So and the, then it was like 400 people fighting at the same time. Holy, it turned into a melee. Oh, Jesus. my God. That's, uh, does anybody have a tape of that? Oh, yes, yes. It's like Pentagon Combat. It's easy to see it. But for you to have an idea, when I, I, I finished, I flew back to United States because I had a fight in Japan right after. So I flew back. And it was on the news here in the United States. The 20 most shocking moments, you know, those TV yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, One of them, this one. <laughs> then I fly to Japan. It's on all the news in Japan two, two oh days later. You know? That's insane. Yeah. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. I can. Now, your, your fight with Sakuraba uh, was one of the mm-hmm. – uh, that, that was an amazing fight. Uh, do, you think, yeah. do you think if he hadn't caught you in the last minute, you would have won that fight? I think so. I thought everything was under control. I think there'll be no problem. I knew I could control him. I was winning the fight for 17 seconds actually to finish. You know? Yeah. And I knew everything was good. And I got caught. I didn't realize how strong he was on that move, you know? And when I fought him recently, I felt that strength that he had by, like, why he's so strong in the Kimura, you know? Today I realized how, how much leverage he has from that position. So my elbow came out, and Sakurabi started calling the ref. His elbow is broken, speaking in Japanese, 
And I keep telling the rest, no, 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 don't worry. This happens all the time. You know, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the rest, him and the rest are talking in Japanese, and they stop the fight, you know? Oh. I mean, man, this happens all the time. Don't worry. Let me put it back. <laughs> I, no, your elbow, your elbow. I mean, I was watching it last night with my girlfriend, and she was screaming in pain. She had never seen an, an elbow like that before. Now, I, now, <laughs> now, you. The word is that you didn't want him to know that you were hurt because he, because he, because he, he beat Hoist, uh so that you didn't even go. To, you didn't even go to the hospital. What we really pissed me off when people get hurt in there, they, they, this is not soccer. You're not playing football, soccer, you know? Where people act like they are hurt. Yeah. There's no, all that there, you're supposed to get hurt. If you go in there, it's like a, we always say if you're afraid to use the restroom, don't eat the book. <laughs> so if you really. You know, yeah, but, but, I, yeah but your elbow was completely out of socket. And to this, you had you never went to the hospital, huh? No, I actually, they, they tried to cast it, I removed it, and actually two weeks and a half later, I was surfing, I almost drowned, me and Luca Tara from Grace Magazine, we were surfing huge waves in Bells Beach, Australia, and because of my arm, I almost drowned, oh. was, I didn't have all the movements yet. <laughs> he goes you surfing <laughs> two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later, he's surfing the big waves in Australia. Now, you could be, uh, yeah, that was insane. Now, uh... Now some of the guys that you, you've uh, some of the now that the the Frank Shamrock fight right I mean you were dominating uh-huh. Frank Shamrock the whole time then he kicks you he knees you twice in the top of the head and then he gets mm-hmm. disqualified you won do you and Frank did you guys ever make up or is it still bad blood No I don't I don't have bad blood anybody that I have a bad a bad blood if I miss them I hit them <laughs> you know I'm very professional that was a I event. In reality, could I keep fighting? Yes, I could have kept fighting. But I, my cousin Skiza went and looked at the scoreboard. Even though I was dominating him for two rounds, even with the point that they took it out, they were giving the victory to him. So it was everything set up. It was a boxing promoter promoting the event. Okay, and so now, man. and immediately I understood why they only won a one-fight deal with me. You know? They, they had the Frank up as their fighter. They signed Frank up and Frank ended up fighting uh, Nick Diaz later. Yeah. Yeah, he ended up losing to Nick Diaz after that. The reality is, now I understand why he walked uh, walk in the event under the Bruce Springsteen song, uh, Born in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> so everything, my cousin came over and goes, Jesus, there's no way you're going to win this fight. They have you, even with this point that they took it out, you're still losing both rounds. You know, they did it in a way that all he has to do is survive. And that's what he was doing. He was stalling the whole fight, just grabbing, not trying, nothing, you know? Yeah. So I say, let me take the win, and then I work, I work out with them again to do another one. And then they didn't, they didn't want to work out. They just want to keep Frank, you know? Some of, some of the like, stuff you no, did. I have no blood, blood, blood uh, bad blood against him. One of the I fights... The one, of, the one of my favorite moments ever in fighting was when you... You're fighting Matt Hughes, and he uh, he uh, it's toward the like toward the end of your career. He drops you. You were clearly tired. 
you actually put your hand out for him to lift you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was kicking my leg. My leg was swollen. I couldn't walk proper. And I'm going to the floor, and he's not coming. So I said, Matt, okay. We're not going to fight the ground. Give me a hand to get up here, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He's, a, he's an unbelievable human being. I, I never really, saw yeah, anything like that. It was one of the funniest yeah. things. That the, the guy, he, yeah. he lifts him up. Now, you're actually, you're taking on Matt Hughes coming up, right? Yes, yes. I, um, I, I, I just, I found out like, uh, three weeks ago that I actually had a torn ACL oh, on the last no. match I had with Sakuraba on the, the metamorphosis. On the, on the metamorphosis, yeah. So I had the surgery two weeks and a half ago, and right now I'm recouping, and I, I hope to be ready to put a beautiful match with, uh, with my brother Matthews, you know? I can't wait. Got you. Uh, yeah, now, I, I'd love to see it. That's going to be fun. Now, you're also yeah. uh, you're the personal jiu-jitsu coach of Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed al Nayan, yes. the crown prince uh-huh. of Abu Dhabi. Now, are you just yeah. like, now when you go to Abu Dhabi, you get the royal treatment or what? My dear friend, I, I've been going to Abu Dhabi for 20 years. You know, And anybody who's a guest of the Sheikhs feel like a, a royal, you right. know, feel like you're royalty because it's, they treat you so good. The country is so unbelievable. The food, the, 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 the warmth of the people and how, you know, it's always a unique experience. It's, I've been going there for 20 years, you know. We became friends 20 years ago. And every time I have a chance, I'm there, you know, with them. And uh, they, are, they become unbelievable jiu-jitsu people. Today they have jiu-jitsu in school. So the school system, instead of teaching just physical education, they have jiu-jitsu as an option. Oh, wow. And the last time I was there, I watched four competitions in different areas of the country with 900 kids on each competition competing, you know. So for sure, it's going to be Abu Dhabi. It's already is, but it's going to be even a bigger force in the jiu-jitsu community in the world real soon. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Now, uh, now, yeah. now one, of the, one of the things I was watching about you is that your students, they speak so highly of you. And, and they're not just like regular students. We're talking about like Chris Weidman and, uh, and Frankie Edgar. Yeah. Now, what did you tell Chris Weidman to help him beat Anderson Silva? It's, uh, I knew, you know, I knew Anderson Silva would have a lot of trouble fighting Chris. What people don't realize, Chris is a very, very tough guy. You know, it's like he's two times Division One wrestler, All-American. His jiu-jitsu, when he was a purple belt, he fought Andre Galvão, who's one of the top jiu-jitsu guys. Andre Galvão came to me and said, this guy was the toughest fight I ever had in my life. This kid, when he becomes a black belt, is going to be something out of this world. And it's, it's true. And, and on top of that, he's a very big kid, you know, with a big bone kid who, for the first time, in the Silva fighting some more big fight, you know. And that has a great jiu-jitsu, great striking with Ray Longo. You know, Ray really puts him to spar and overlooks everything on, on that aspect of the fighting. And Matt Carey, they're constantly pushing Chris forward. You know, I was just very fortunate to move to the right side of this amazing country and, and be able to touch these amazing human beings that I, you know, I, I helped to become a champion. You know, George Sampier, uh, uh, Matt Sarah, Nick Sarah, Chris Weidman, Frank Edgar, Ricardo Almeida. You know, the, 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 I cannot even be mentioned all of them right now. It's so many that it's, it's insane. You know? So uh, Edgar versus... I was part of that. 
So Edgar versus Faber. Uh, you're obviously picking Edgar, but, but uh, how do you think he's? How do you think Frankie's gonna win? It's it's difficult to keep the pace so it's uh, with Edgar, my friend. Edgar is a guy you have to understand. Edgar was a champion at 155, and he could easily. He's such a small guy. He could easily be fighting uh, 135. You know, easily because he was doing 155 without losing weight. He was the smallest 155 I've ever seen in my life. You know, and uh, Faber has. Faber is a very tough, very talented kid, but he has his hands full fighting Edgar, you know, because it's a no-stop action, and last time I saw him training, he was moving like a bullet, his jiu-jitsu is improving, every aspect, look at his last fight against Cubs Russell, was, was unbelievable, he didn't stop until he got the sub, the submission, you know, so it's going to be a tough fight for, for Faber, you know? You know what's crazy about all the guys that you train, the Frankie Edgar, the Weidman, uh, you know, even uh, you know the Chris, the Chris Wyman, Frankie Edgar, all these guys, Almeida—they're very humble guys. They're they're New York humble guys. So, what do you think? Like when you see today, Conor McGregor stealing Jose Aldo's belt, saying I'm the best ever, <laughs> saying I-, I can't wait to smell your pussy, stuff like that. What do you think? Yeah, of, what do yeah. you think of a guy like that? It's like uh, where I come from, you you don't get away with it. You know, that's the reason why on my fight against Spiker, I stomped on his head after it was done. You know, and I told him during the wait, you know, saying, I'm going to keep cracking jokes like this. You better not stay on this hotel because I will get you. You're going to wake up to get out of <laughs> your room or be at your door. He's a superhero. You know, so there's, it's, but at the same time, if you realize, Conor McGregor is a very talented kid and he was able because right now it's a business, you know, and and sometimes people lack respect, and they are able to reach a title fight much quicker than, than they would have if they right. didn't, they didn't the do hype. that. You know? so, so in reality, we are, it's like we're going to watch a fight. I honestly think uh, that the, the Aldo will win the match, you know, because uh, Connor, even though he's very tough, he doesn't have the experience yet. You know, he should have did a couple more fights. I think they rushed him too much to... To a, a guy experienced as Aldo right now, but it's uh, it's gonna be an interesting match. And like you said, like this, you can never predict. If I could, uh, one day I sat down to predict fights. Some ten fights, I actually was able to 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 be right, and only two, I missed eight. So it's like, and I knew everybody that was fighting. So in reality, that fighting is a surprise box. It can go either way every single time. You know, with those small gloves, you get hit. You, you, you wake up after what happened, you know? Uh, by the way, Henzo, uh, so the co-host, is Mar- I don't know if you know this, Marina Shafir, she's a second-degree black belt in judo, and you actually gave her her purple belt. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm from Bruno Bruno's school up in Albany. I, of course I know. I'm a big fan. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and you're the co-host. Yeah. Huh? You shouldn't be talking more. I like more than <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny you say that. <laughs> you're, keeping, you're keeping yourself quietly down. I'm listening. I'm listening to... I'm actually learning some, some shit here, so it's uh, all good with me. Sorry. Good talking to you. Yeah. Like you what, like it? What was that? I was in California. You like it? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's nice. She, she actually, today, she announced she signed with Invicta today. Yeah. Ah, that's beautiful. I can't I'm wait excited. to see you again. Oh, yeah. That's what's new. I will fight well. Yeah, I'm can't really wait. excited about it. Yeah. So it's you time. You're Bruno's favorite. Yeah, I was so very high of you. Yeah, I'm, 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 very, very I miss him a lot. I miss him a yeah. lot. But this is awesome. How special guy. When is the next uh, belt ceremony? We're supposed to have towards the end of the last year, but I'll, I will do it one this year. You're going to be a special guest. I'm going to get your butt here. So you okay. can with us. I'm so down. I'm, I'm ready. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Marina. Nice. <laughs> Well, listen, Henzo, it was such an honor to have you on the podcast. You have no idea. You are a true legend. We'd love to have you on any time. Thank you, man. That, Thank you so that's much. That's my pleasure, my brother. My pleasure. It's great talking to you guys. Thanks for everything. Marina, a big, a big Brazilian hug. Uh, I'm taking it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. you. That was Henzo right. Gracie. Henzo Gracie. A big Brazilian hug. Really? That's the only one that ends with big, a tap out. Big Brazilian <laughs> badass. Jesus. Yeah, is that crazy? Wow. Boy, Talk about a guy. Right in the wrongs. No, it? honestly, though, it's really good that he's, do- he's doing that. It's because this is why people train, so they can protect themselves. Essentially, like, you train so you have a skill set to protect yourself in the street. Because, yes. you know... Robberies and shit like that, that, that that's, that's real shit. That shit happens. I love the way, though, he's lived in New York so long that his accent has kind of morphed into an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and then I make it a pizza pie with the pepperoni, and I shove his face in the pepperoni. I give him the pepperoni eyes. And then we have the gabagoo. It's just so funny, though. Like, out of all the people to rob, you rob Henzo Gracie. I mean, uh, why don't you? But maybe because it's dark out, you don't see the huge cauliflower ears. Exactly. Like, he, to me, looks like the kind of guy that you wouldn't, you'd be like, no, not him. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that shows how desperate some people are. I mean, yeah. for money. <laughs> you and, and then also, well, someone, then some idiot in the concerts like, what are you going to do about it? Again, look at the ears, bro. <laughs> if they have cauliflower ears, he's going to do something about this. What, I Brazil- love that the girls were like, where would he go with our money? A Brazilian guy with cauliflower ears. That's, like, that's the guy whose daughter you, you try to get beard to, and he's with two other girls already. This jerk off. <laughs> what a moron. <laughs> that about, guy like, was roided up. That guy was roided up. Imagine that having your f- you get choked out in the bathroom. Imagine like seeing the guy in the bathroom. That's got to be your worst. Like you're at a concert, you're kind of drunk. The concert bathroom is the grossest uh, of all bathrooms. So funny. Like people just start pissing at the door <laughs> uh, and just piss on their way into uh, it and then shit on the walls. Like it is the grossest thing available. It is. Such yeah. a nice guy. And he seems like such a nice guy, but also a guy that you just don't want to fuck with. Never. Yeah. You know. Uh, even Never. even watching his old fights. That's what I love about Fight Pass. Honestly, is that you get to watch these old fights, and they and it's like it's only like ten bucks a month. You go watch all the you know. Honestly, you plugging it in. No, no, I actually <laughs> do like it because I, but because like for me, to, it almost was impossible before because the Zufa would take them down off YouTube. You have to go to yeah. some some weird janky website, Japanese website yeah. or something. And, yeah. But now you get they're all lined up. Like I watch thirty Henzo Gracie fights, and and, you, and it's amazing. You watch these guys like you know bare knuckle. Yeah. They weren't using gloves. Wow. You know, uh, and, and it, I mean, it was just even before, like even the guys, you know, headbutts were allowed. And, and, wow. and you know, like we had a guy. Uh, so it was real brawling in there. Last week we had we had, we had two. So we had Gary Goodrich on. Yeah. Who said he he removed the guy's cup 
and squeeze the guy's balls. And this guy was a, a, a world champion arm wrestler. He said he made peanut butter. <laughs> he made peanut butter out of his nuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that was the way he won the fight. Oh <laughs> and I, I love that he won the fight. Like, legal winner. Winner by peanut butter submission. <laughs> peanut butter submission. <laughs> winner by Wait, can peanut we call butter. it the peanut butter bar? The peanut butter bar? Like a like an arm bar? Oh, the peanut like, butter yeah, bar. The peanut yeah. butter bar. Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I can imagine the guy's a world champion arm wrestler. His grip must be so tight. Mm. And to have him just grab your balls in the middle of a fight. And just... And just- Squeeze as much as hard as you can, and he was proud of it. He's yeah. like, "Look, he's like, they said there were no rules. They probably popped no, like zits. No rules like is pop, pop. no rules is no rules. That's what he said. No rules. No rules is no rules. You're right. Speaking of which, uh, starting next week, we're gonna have a, a legendary, a, a fighter legend story. We're gonna have uh, next week. We have Don Fry calling in. Oh, and, I love this. And he's gonna tell us a legendary night story. So every, yeah, I so, love this idea. So every week we're gonna have Gary. Good trap, Don Fry. Trap sons and trap dons Tuni sons to hook them door pot land Tadas tot and door pot amor Yeah, 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 yeah.